Creation Philosophy, episode 45. Bam. Yep. My name is Pocholo Cruz, and with me... This is Scott Mike McDonald. Oh, I'm back. Man. He's back. Woo! I'm the co-host. Let's yes. go. I'm back. Man, I think it's it's been a little bit, but it's okay. And today we got our guest... Cody Beerman. Oh, hey, mm-hmm. Cody. Thanks. Hello, it's Beerman? Yes. Yeah, like, like the drink. Beer, beer. <laughs> Beerman. Beerman. You'd be surprised <laughs> by how many people get that wrong, actually. It's what do they say? Like, barman, barman. Barman? Yeah. Barman. It doesn't look that difficult, but yeah, I, I guess it is. Barman. Okay. And what you sipping on, Beerman? What you got there? Uh, nectar the God. <laughs> what you, Coke Zero. What you need to be a champ. Is that Coke Zero? Did you pick it because it has zero <laughs> calories and a shit ton of aspartame? <laughs> Hey, hey, hey! Listen. Donald Rumsfeld. We're just, we're just attacking the guests right away. Calories are a resource, all right? Calories yeah. are a resource. You save those for Halo Top at the end of the night. Not, don't waste it on your car. That's got aspartame in it, though, right? That's fine. That's fine. I'm just asking. He's like, I can't smell aspartame. aspartame. Because, you know, Donald, Donald's, or Donald Rumsfeld was, uh, like, I don't know if he was, C- I think he was CEO of the company that, like, lobbied to get aspartame. In Coke and keep it in. Oh. Okay. The same guy that was a part of orchestrating the Iraq war. I just want to let you know. <laughs> Tips for you. Yeah. We're just, well, we're, we're just starting off on the... Okay. Well, good, good, good supporting. Right? Yeah. Hey, so you support Iraq war. Oh, yeah. my God. No, wow. And now everybody's tuning out. And now... Here we go. Here we go. on you. Yeah. All right. Good. No, no. All right. Good reporting, guys. Good reporting. Yeah. All right. Well... That's okay, dude. Show. This happens when I'm on here, but I, I believe it's, it is. Right? Okay, <laughs> all right. So, Cody, let's, let's talk about it. Okay, Mar- how'd you get involved in martial arts? Mm. Oh God, um, you want the? Are we doing short version? No, we're here? doing long. I mean, okay. we long spent days? a minute talking about aspartame. Yeah, so yeah, we, we got plenty of time. I'm <laughs> the people they want. <laughs> the people want aspartame. The people want me to be I just as a terrorist. At the end of the episode, Cody gets labeled. No. <laughs> watch this. Yeah. Okay. Because of aspartame. Yeah. Because I drink Coke yeah. Zero. Cody aspartame beer. Man. Yeah, the Secretary of State, man. That yeah. was under Bush. That we, was we, call, we call Cody the aspartame assassin. That's I just want to know if that's the secret elixir to your success as such an oh explosive athlete and great wrestler. That's just why... <laughs> And so I want to separate you from listen. Rumsfeld and whatever company that was. I forget. But, but. Listen, if you want better wrestling skills, fucking <laughs> yeah. Coke Zero. Why, you, Coke, yeah. you just gotta tell the the whole audience listening the secret like that. Yeah, jeez, like, yeah, man. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. Let them like wait like at least half an hour. Before we <laughs> Is there any that? ice in that? A little bit. Okay, good. Like, Is there any ice? Some water. Because that's it's <laughs> melted because of the acidity. <laughs> oh. Okay. Okay, right, back, back again. Oh, I got started on yeah. in martial arts, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so. <laughs> right on track. Yeah. yeah. Well, that one kind of goes back to, uh, like, I, I got started wrestling pretty late. I started uh, my freshman year of high school. Okay. Um, my stepdad wrestled. Basically, I was a kid that would come home from school and just jump on World of Warcraft or whatever video game nice. and, and waste my day away. And I was doing that. Well, you were in Azeroth. <laughs> yeah. Was I really that. wasting? Was, yeah, well, well, that is a You were in the <laughs> fantasy land building all your skills. Yeah. 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 So very, was that mainly very, what you did like pre-high like uh, pre school? Or, yeah, like, yeah. I, I was just a, a big nerd. I think part of it had to do with the fact that um, I lived actually in Yakima with my dad for... About six months when my parents split, mm-hmm. um, I think I was 11, 12 years old. Okay. And then I think the fact of like being away from family, away from friends that I actually knew, 
I kind of that was my escape every single day. Mm. Anyways, moved back to Minnesota. That followed me there. Then eventually, I was like, all right, there's got to be more to to life and doing yeah. stuff than just playing games. So finally, uh, my stepdad's like, well, give wrestling a try. You know, you'll you'll compete against people your size. It's not gonna be like football. You know, and I was like, okay, so gave it a shot. Ended up really falling in love with it, and um, it kind of took off from there. But my junior year, the summer between my junior and senior year, uh, still wrestling, obviously. And then I went to uh, Freestyle and Greco Clinic, this mm-hmm. club that we did in the summer. Um, but all the coaches there were college wrestlers from St. John's, which is Division three school, mm-hmm. and then St. Cloud State University, which <clears throat> is their, the shirt for them. Um, nice. But they're like the best Division two wrestling school in the nation. Okay. Um, there's, I posted like some metric on my Facebook wall. I think 2011 they took six at nationals. No, 2010 six at nationals. 2011 second. 2012 first. And then it like kept going and it was like second, 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 first, first. Well, to summarize a little bit. Um, in the last five years, they've had four national titles and one wow. second place. Wow. wow. They're amazing, right? So, it's a legitimate program. Pretty, pretty great yeah. program. Yeah. yeah. Well, one of the guys that was in there uh, ended up being one of my best training partners for MMA, Tyler Matheson. Uh, he was like a coach that I kind of took to right away, and he was helping me with stuff just about every day. He was in my corner for most of my matches. Mm. <clears throat> and anyways, move on, get done with wrestling in high school, graduate. Um, and then I was like, okay. What do I have for options? Either like walk on D2 at a different place, Mankato um, in Minnesota, mm-hmm. or I could go Division three to a school I actually enjoyed, which is Concordia Moorhead. Mm-hmm. Uh, but private school, 40K plus a year. Yeah. After, Damn. Yeah, yeah, that. yeah, after financial aid and everything, I might still pay like 20, 25. 40K? It's a very expensive place. And this is just for undergraduate? Yeah, I'm assuming, I'm like, it's not private schools, man. Dude, you yeah. would be almost passing how much it is for law school if you would have gone there. Yeah, I know it was, it was a lot. Maybe Depending I'm, on the law school. Maybe I'm exaggerating a bit with 40, but I know it was a ton. And I remember when I looked at the numbers, like, every year I was probably paying about 20000 including including... Uh, That's still a lot. So, uh, okay. so I was like, I'm either going to do that and wrestle D3, or I could go to St. Cloud Tech School, Tech College, and with grants, scholarships, everything that I had that way, I would actually end up getting paid to go to school. My and man. I could just do MMA with Brock Larson, right? So then I walked into Brock's gym to check it out. And the first person I see, the first day in the door is uh, Tyler Matheson, you know? And he remembered me. I obviously remembered him. And, uh, yeah, I signed up. Two of my buddies signed up with me. I think one of them lasted a week. The other one didn't even last that long, and I just stuck with it. Hmm. And yeah, then before we knew it, four years goes by with Brock, and that did was, they was the start? Yeah, to out your boys, but did they just not? Did they lose interest in it, or did they? Um, one kind of lost interest in wrestling and everything altogether, but he still kind of a, a studly dude. He is doing like bodybuilding and stuff now. So, nice. You know, that wasn't the issue exactly. Mm-hmm. The other one, um, I don't know exactly what it was, but he kept wrestling after that. So. Good for him. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so that was kind of the start into MMA and the transition from wrestling. So, mm. yeah. So what was it like training and training under Brock? With Brock, I mean, um, he's a unique guy. 
<laughs> so when you say that, like, what, like yeah. how so? Is he low yeah. off kilter? Or no? Uh, no, he's what like, off kilter? MMA fight? What? No, he's like honestly one of the best people I've ever met in my entire life. Mm-hmm. I mean, just an amazing person. Shirt off his back type of guy for anybody. You don't even mm-hmm. need to know him. And mm-hmm. on top of that, absolutely amazing grappling coach. Like, great. So. Mm-hmm. Being with him, doing that stuff was awesome. And then, you know, he tried, he kind of got my hands going a little bit. But we always had um, boxing coaches around. Mm -hmm. And they were kind of the ones that guided us with striking, obviously. Mm -hmm. So we had that. And then all those, um, having like St. Cloud State right there, Mm -hmm. which was literally in the same town. We got some of those guys that bled over. So we had some good athletes and some hard workers in the room. Oh, excuse me. So, I mean, like, grappling kind of took off. Mm. And um, that's where Tyler Matson came in. We had a guy, Seamus O'Grady, who's a national champ. A mm. um, bunch of dudes like that. And then, on top of that, too, we had a couple, like, really good boxing guys that made the transition MMA. Mm. So, so yeah, that, I mean, that's that's kind of what it was. And Brock's style of jiu-jitsu is much more wrestling-centered, <laughs> where pressure-oriented, you're not going to, you know, just lay on your back and... You know, throw up leg locks and stuff. You're not gonna. Mm-hmm. There's not much playing. It's a lot of pressure, uh, mm-hmm. uncomfortable wrestling centered jits. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and I know he started with Dave Camarillo, so he's kind of okay. got that, that okay. style. Yeah, okay. yeah. And yeah. And, uh, and then obviously he trained under Matt for a lot of years, and yeah. then that catch wrestling submission submission wrestling system, and then that carried over to Greg Nelson, who is also a CSW guy a little bit. Mm-hmm. So um, a lot of that in the game. Yeah, I remember seeing Brock come in with uh, Robbie Lawler, Rich Franklin, yeah, and Matt yeah. Brown. The scary times at AMC, bro. <laughs> yeah, but I, yeah, he was. I had some interactions with him, nothing like really yeah. amazing, but he's just really cool, chill. Yeah. Really focused when yeah. like, Matt would show techniques, and he'd. Yeah. He fought in the WEC, right? Yeah, he was yeah. WEC. So it's crazy. He was WEC, UFC, 1FC, and then. Yeah, Man, that officer did like cutting him off on the cage. He's like, "Fuck this! I'm out of here." Yeah, he just job. took off. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that's the <laughs> best thing to do. Yeah, yeah, but uh, but yeah. So I mean, he's been in so many major organizations, yeah. and he fought Carlos Condit for a world title in WEC, which yeah. Condit caught him in an armbar, which is kind of crazy. But um, uh, I'll just drop this little bit in there too. Mm-hmm. But um, so he was supposed to have a rematch with Condit, but then Condit ended up. I think it was, broke his hand. But then Brock seen him a couple days or a week later, and he was carrying heavy ass luggage with that hand. He's like, what the, what, what the hell is that? Yeah. So, um, can I swear in here, by the way? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. You don't give a fuck. No, <laughs> no, hold on. Don't ever cuss again. This is a Christian podcast. <laughs> Pacific Northwest. Guys, we're about to transition into talking about the Lord right now. And it, do you know he died for your sins? Yeah. Sick son of a bitch. Yeah, by Lord, we need <laughs> Elrond Hubbard because it's yeah, Scientology. It's a trap. Sign up now. <laughs> Dianetics, motherfucker. We gonna know everything about yeah. it. Tom Cruise, come on in. Yeah. He hops on Coachella's couch. Yeah. I just want to let you know. Uh, <laughs> set up all. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, so Brock saw Carlos Condit with yeah with his broken water. hand. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And uh, and it seemed like he's kind of dodging. Call you out, Carlos. <laughs> no, I'm not calling you out. You don't show up. That's right, Cody Beerman. I don't know. It's wrong name. We got the wrong name. Cody Beerman says you're a pony. 
kickback pony. No, and if we offer natural born faker. No, I'm joking. Carlos is really fucking tough. But no, yeah, that's yeah. Wild, dude. But Ender wants that smoke though. But, but Ender, <laughs> Ender Cleopi wants that smoke from Carlos Condit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that that, the mental yeah. shank. Yeah. Yeah. But, but yeah, and, uh, <laughs> yeah, dude. yeah. I I don't know if you guys ever go on like uh Reddit sub subreddit, the MMA subreddit. Mm-hmm. But there is That's a dark place. That yeah, is. But, <laughs> but actually some pretty knowledgeable people yeah. in there, which is crazy. Yeah. Um but Shane Carwin was in there one day and you know, he's got his his verified account. Yeah. And he was answering questions and I he was just he brought up a thread on like old fighters that people missed, yeah. and I was like, "Oh, I miss like Jose Torres, all these guys." And I mentioned Brock's name, yeah. And then um, I said, uh, "I I said like post statement, I still think Brock wins the rematch with Carlos." And he's like, "Let me give you a little reply to your post statement." He's like, "I had the same manager as Carlos, yeah. Um, at that time, and I remember that Carlos wanted absolutely nothing to do with the rematch. He wouldn't take it regardless, like no matter what." And he Damn. said, "I think." Brock wins that rematch. If it would have happened, it would have changed his, changed his entire career. Of course, oh, and, oh, for sure. Yeah, and I yeah. I completely agree. And, um, and yeah, I mean like nothing against Carlos because he's a fucking stud, and I've always loved watching him fight. Mm-hmm. You know, great. Well, it's just a buddy. bad stylistic matchup for him. Yeah, yeah. and uh, on top of that too, I think he was a little younger then. It was a little bit different Carlos than there is today. You know, yeah. and uh, and yeah, Brock is just a hammer, and he's so. Strong. No, that's what I was just gonna say. So it's like you know people talk about that and they think like oh technique beats. It's like yeah, well when you have really good like if you're legit re- black belt jits and then you are an absolute silverback gorilla. Like yeah, it matters. Like, yeah. As soon as people grabs- say strength don't matter, aren't strong. <laughs> yeah, but like yeah, as Brock just has that face. It's like you were born in the wrong era, bro. <laughs> you're supposed to be on a battlefield wielding a double axe and yeah. having a shield. But I could, I thought about that. He just in. From some of the fights I've watched, it's been a really long time since I watched him, but I just yeah. noticed that when he grabbed guys, yeah. it just was different. It's Even di- watching him grapple guy. at AMC, like yeah, he was going around. Like, he when he was grappling Jay. Yeah, he grabbed <laughs> <that> shit. <laughs> <laughs> he just fucking him up. And he was like, <laughs> he had Jay to armbar, and Jay was just like, say <laughs> <laughs> fucking around, and Brock's just laughing. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, Jay. That sounds about right. I yeah. think Jay wins that fight, though. <laughs> Jay wants that smoke. I love you, I love you Jay Black-White. <laughs> no, but there, there's this great picture of, like, so Brock messing up Jay grappling, and then, like, James just... Like, James doing just, the splits yeah. and just smiling. Yeah. Like, yeah. Jay, Jay yes. in the armor. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's that's good. But you, you yeah. said he's a really, like, unique guy. I mean, I don't... Yeah. I want to really hear about you and, but in like, your story, but, I mean, is there anything special you heard about his? Or, like... Yeah, how uh, did Brock get started yeah. in, uh... We're well, yeah. Yeah. We're we're just just like about yeah. 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 Hey, he, he deserves yeah. a lot of yeah. it. He's such yeah. a good dude. Like as much as I can, you know, pump some hot air into him, like the, yeah. all the better. So honestly, um, no, I, I, he's told me a little bit about this. Uh, basically, a long time ago, he wasn't even really interested in fighting, and I think he kind of just stumbled upon some fight in a parking lot at a casino. <laughs> And they like they basically told him that, and he, he just got done wrestling at Itasca, it's a community college. Uh, okay. And 
he was a great wrestler and was good enough to be there wrestling, but yeah. he just uh, did not have the grades, you know? Academic yeah. suspension, gone. So, <laughs> it's okay. But um, yeah, yeah, his college is not for everybody. Yeah. And, um, anyways, so he stumbles on this, still a stud wrestler, great athlete. Well, then they're, they said that they needed somebody for a fight, like, right then. And he ended up having to pay money to fight, but he did Wait, wait, wait. What kind of yeah. weird fucking thing is that? I would love for him to, to chime in a little bit, because I'm paraphrasing and probably doing a bad job. But essentially, he gets in there and just, he has no boxing experience, just knocks the dude out, like, right away. I liked him, but now I like him even more. Yeah. But like, you guys need something to fight. Yeah, just in community <laughs> college, they're like, Brock, you drew a picture on an English essay. He's like, fuck this, I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the thing is, is like, it doesn't. That doesn't mean I'm glad he had an opportunity to express his intelligence in a completely different way. Right. You said he's a great grappling coach. I mean, jujitsu takes sophistication. Yeah. To get to those higher levels, and it's like, especially the level that he's at, like you don't spend that much time doing something. Dude, can be dumb. Yeah, I pissed away community college the same way. I was like, man, I don't give a fuck about math, and then I got right into fighting, and it yeah. was like, I treated that like school. You know? Yeah, that's yeah. really cool to hear, man. Yeah, and uh, and that was that's kind of how he got started. And I, again, we're talking way back when there wasn't an amateur scene. There were no unified rules, right? So yeah. he just went right into a pro career. I think he chained together a little over 10 or 12 wins and then just got into the UFC right away. Mm-hmm. And um, then he was like on and off because they didn't have contracts really. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So on and off some UFC cards. And then he was steadily on a few. Or WC, sorry. WC and UFC. And then he was on a few UFCs in a row. Um Lost a couple fights, went to one, fought for the title. Can't remember the guy's name that he fought. Dude, like, all I remember about him is he threw a bunch of sharp little teeps to the body and pissed Brock off. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But, yeah, and then after that he fought Melvin. And then um, that's about the time that I started at the gym. Okay. It was his 1FC title fight, like, right after it. And then um, at that time we had... Tony Martin in the gym, so he was oh, okay. just getting started in the UFC mm-hmm. yeah. uh, at 155. And then Adam McDonough had just made it to the finals of Bellator. He was in the gym. Mm-hmm. Um, then we had a couple other guys that were freaks that were kind of on their way up too. Mm-hmm. But then some of those guys fell off. Brock's career was coming to an end. He mm-hmm. finished in LFA with a couple fights. Okay. Um, yeah. Fought for a title there. He lost that fight, sadly, and then he won the next one. And then, um, yeah, I mean, turned into just full-time coach. And the crazy part is, the whole time that he was fighting, he was the head coach of Get Some, which turned into Performance Compound, which turned into Start BJJ, right? Mm -hmm. But that whole time, until Start BJJ, he did not get paid a single dime to coach. Wow. Which is crazy. So he was taking all that time off his schedule, and that tells you a lot. And, like, he was, he wasn't getting While balancing a pro career? Yeah. Jeez. And he wasn't getting paid to to coach, but yet he would still drive six hours to my amateur debut, pay for gas Dang. both ways, wouldn't let me pay for anything, and I had known him for two months. That's the type of guy, you know? And uh, he does that for everybody. It wasn't because I was something special. You know? Shout out to Brock, dude. Yeah, great guy. So that was, that was a good person to learn from on a athletic level and a personal level, too. Okay. Great dude. So, he found us some really good hands, bro. Yeah, that, I was so lucky to just walk into... 
you know, St. Cloud, Minnesota is middle of fucking nowhere. Yeah. Town of 50-some so like, thousand people, and there's Brock Larson there. Yeah. Lucky so, me. like, how far is, like, St. Cloud from where, like, you grew up, or, like, from where you were in Minnesota? Um, yeah. I grew up, like, 20 minutes away. So okay, like, so... so backyard, okay. yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that was the town that you drove through, drove to for everything. Right? Okay. Okay. So, uh, it's, like, an hour and a half away from Minneapolis, central Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Okay. So... Okay, and then so you start martial arts after already being in wrestling. So how was like so what was like the biggest like transition like for you or like what were some things? What was the hardest transition piece? Mm -hmm. Yeah, like some hard things. What easy things, hard things? I would say for sure. Well, I mean, like wrestling obviously gives you an idea of grappling. You know, Mm -hmm. knowledge of where your Mm -hmm. hips are, using Mm -hmm. your center of gravity, not getting swept all the time. You have good base. Yeah, but um, definitely striking. I remember. The first time I sparred was he put quotation marks. <laughs> air got quotes. It. Yeah, audience. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Air quotes. Sparred. Yeah. Um, Tyler Just like Madison. his coke. Cheers to that. But yeah, so I sparred Tyler Matheson and. I remember every time he came forward with just a jab, I like ran backwards off the mat, backpedaled off the mat. I didn't want anything to do with it, and so that was like, holy shit! I have a long way to go if I don't want to think about getting the fight. And slowly he started to catch on. And, uh, and yeah, we had a, a striking coach there for a while. Shout out to Nick Sieber. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's the man. He's good stuff. And then uh, when he moved away for a really good job, <clears throat> then we got some boxing coaches in there that were pretty great. So nice. Harold Hall and Joe Diedrich were the guys. And um, they were around for a few years. Harold was like a uh, 20 years in the Army, retired out, but boxed the whole time mm-hmm. before the Army. And so it was, there's no such thing as overtraining, you know, that type of guy. <laughs> that old Gable mentality. Yeah, yeah. That you was train like, until you're crippled, boy. Yeah, and there's three, no such thing as overtraining. Three-hour <clears throat> boxing practices. And oh, you're, you're conditioning and you're speed punching for full three-minute rounds of your speed punch. And you do, like, five rounds of it. And, you know, like, crazy. Intense. So my hands went from completely non-existent to I got an overhand KO in 59 seconds in, like, a four-month period. Mm. So, Whoa. Which is cool. And so those guys were great. And Joe uh, was kind of, like, his right-hand man helping out with practices. And then when Harold was going to be all done coaching, Joe was going to take over. But then Joe ended up getting caught up with a um, small business he started and stuff like that. Got real busy. Got a, had a kid. So, But he still comes around and would help out. Still does. Mm-hmm. And he's a really good coach, too. And then, um, anyhow, then those guys kind of phased out a little bit since they weren't around. We went to, most of us guys that trained with Brock went to uh, St. Cloud Golden Gloves was the boxing gym. Billy mm-hmm. Boxing Gym, okay. Yep. And um, John LaPlante and Chaz Hag were the kind of head coaches over there. And they have a couple of really good boxers in their mm-hmm. gym. Um, kid uh, Xavier Sharp, he just won Silver Gloves Nationals, just won another national tournament. Uh, another guy, Joe James, won a couple national titles. He's pro. He's had four fights. Mm. His last fight was on ESPN+. Plus. Nice. Yeah, so so there's some good boxers in that gym. And Angel Pacheco was always around there. So those guys uh, really helped me out with hands a lot, too. So that was, like, the crew for that. So you got some, well, it just sounds like a great camp. You had a high-level grappling. You had your wrestling base. And then you had boxing. Yeah, and... Brock tried to fill in the gaps with Muay Thai, mm-hmm. um, but Brock would even tell you, like, he did his Muay <laughs> Thai. <laughs> well, well, here's not his, my Muay Thai. Not his forte. He's like, 
but this is my teep, and then it goes right into the tank. <laughs> <laughs> he, he would even tell you, like, I think I threw a handful of kicks my entire career. So, but you know, he can sprinkle them in. You won't <laughs> learn in college. My teep to double leg, motherfucker. <laughs> Fuck community college. I feel you, Brock. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, uh, but Brock will even tell you another thing too is that just about all of his Muay Thai is air quotes again. Because he would probably do their quotes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like he would probably tell you that that Muay Thai was a very watered down version of Matt stuff. You know, yeah. from what he remembered. So I and he can look at a right hand and be like, God, there's something wrong with that right hand. This is, I can't exactly dirty. tell you how to fix it, but I can see there's something wrong with that right yeah. hand. Yeah. Uh, but grappling, pick apart, absolutely everything, tell you exactly what's wrong with it. Such a good grappling coach. Oh, so, awesome. so yeah, that that was pretty much it with Brock and. That's what I knew was going to be awesome about coming out here was that transition with striking is just going to be a totally different level. Yeah, you know? no doubt. Yeah. So was your first fight the overhand right, right, KO? No, my first fight... Uh, was like two months in, you said, right? He, yeah, and that two months was like broken apart because I coached wrestling for a season. Like coach high school wrestling? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I went back and coached for a season and I got fat. <laughs> <laughs> I went like. From- like I went like, from walking around at 143 to like 154, and yeah. damn chubby, yeah. And then, I mean, 10 pounds is a lot for that. Kind yeah, of thing. yeah, yeah. And um, then I got done with the wrestling season with those guys. I get back into the gym, maybe a week back to getting moving, and I still don't don't know anything at this point, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, then they're like, "Hey, there's this guy. Who's not that good. You could probably, you know, get a, a win here." And uh, sandbag. <laughs> And, like, and I was like, your I mean, first fight was like total sandbag. <laughs> he said, like, yeah. Yeah. I was like, I mean, I'm not in shape, but it, and Brock is, he never puts you in a situation that you shouldn't be in. And he still didn't with this fight because he's like, you'll just wrestle the kid. It'll, it'll be, you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went in, rolled off the couch, eating potato chips. I was like, two weeks <laughs> in the what, what weight class was this? Uh, it was supposed to be 35, but it ended up being 45. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Like, we, were told, we were told 35 by the promoter, and then yeah. all of a sudden, uh, the gym that the guy was from posted something on Facebook showing, like, a 45. board of all their yeah. guys fighting yeah. in little weights. And then it's, my guy was listed at 45. One of my teammates was like, uh, you might want to check on this. And ended up being 45. I was like, oh, like great. all right. Yeah. Eat a couple more bags of chips. Yeah, exactly. You know. so I was, uh, now I got two bags of chips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I was plumped up. I was ready to go that way. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so then uh, we went to Milwaukee, had that fight. And I had no hands whatsoever. I just had wrestling. Like, no jujitsu. Um, but yeah, that's a hilarious fight to watch. You can definitely tell out of all my fights if you look yeah. on YouTube which one was the first one. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> You'll know about thirty seconds in. Yeah. So, yeah. What, what was the promotion called? Um, yeah. Pure Fighting Championships. They've had a lot since actually, and they've gotten okay. a lot better. But that one was like on a stage in a bar. Oh uh, damn! Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's just the way I was. Like it, it was it a was it a ring or was it a cage? Uh, it was a cage. Okay. I've never mm-hmm. fought in a ring yet, actually. So, so. it was a cage. At a bar. Yeah. It was yep. up on like half of the stage and then the that other half. dangerous, man. Yeah. yeah. Like half of it was up on the stage and then the other half they like chopped up two by fours. And oh my them. god. That's that. And, and then, then they put a jang they put a Jenga set. Yeah. Like, right. And then they put the a boat. <laughs> and some kid kept pulling the wood blocks out and then the cage fell and I got the head and arm. <laughs> no, honestly when we walked in, Brock was like, Alright, if you're gonna double leg somebody against the cage, do it on that side. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> doing this Genius. <laughs> Love this guy. Yeah, but the guys that run that promotion, they yeah. they like really stepped it up. They have some good shows now. So, so yeah, that was uh, the first one. I ended up getting head kicked in the third round. I was 
freaking gassed at this point, but he Damn. head kicked me, and then I caught the head kick up here, and I kind of dumped him, and I dumped him right into a triangle, and yeah, yeah. That, was, that was it. I got triangled. Dang. So that, that, that kind of sucked, but it was yeah. my first fight. Um, I was winning the fight up until that point. Yeah. But anyhow, um, then I think like a full year went by, because after that, I was like, okay, I'm going to focus on just getting better for a year, mm. like technically. So that's what I did, and then second fight... Uh, I took that in just a couple weeks and I was at 35. Mm-hmm. And uh, the guy was, a, I think, a purple belt. So he's good jits, but his hands weren't that good. And he kept throwing a lazy jab. I just pumped a, a fake jab and threw a huge overhand. And I just snapped it out there and I didn't even look. I just uh, looked at the eyes ground. Eyes to the ground. Turned, yeah, yes, just sir. turned into the overhand. Yeah. And uh, I remember when I looked back up, his eyes were closed and he was doing the folding chair. I was like, oh! <laughs> <laughs> I got so excited. Like, oh, shit. <laughs> I didn't even know what to do. I just like didn't know what to do with my hands. I just kind of threw like three punches. <laughs> ah, <laughs> yeah, uh, it's a oh, Ricky no. Bobby story for sure. But the ref steps in, stops it. The guy starts shooting like a single leg on the ref. On the so ref. he was out. Yeah, and then uh, nice. and I'm like walking around the cage. Out again. I don't know what to do with my hands. I just start clapping. For myself. <laughs> You're like, I don't know what to do. Brock's like, clap, clap. They were copying you as I am. Yeah. You're like, yeah. <laughs> at least you didn't run around a ring and then like fall out the rope, like and then <laughs> jump in the middle and yeah. start to go into a meditation pose. That's what I did. That's what's. And then ran yeah. around for like five laps, screaming into my belt. Yeah. And then my coach had to grab me and t- no, actually, my coach reached out yeah. and tried and to grab me. And DJ, DJ grabbed his hand, arm and he was like, "No, he let needs him. this. Let him, <laughs> let, him, let, him, let, him let, let him do it." That's not epic. So I, yeah. I had a question though. Um, <laughs> now going deep. So I feel like just being a wrestler and like competing for so long, it just seems like kind of a natural progression to accept the fight. But your first fight, like, what was going on in your head? Like, what did you think about fighting? Was it um, just two questions? Did you put a lot of thought into it, or is it just something where it's like, you know, I've been competing for so long, this makes sense? Or yeah, I mean, I. Ultimately, I already trusted Brock enough because, like, you looked around and there's, you know, like I was saying, those guys that we trained with yeah. at the time. He's like, okay, well, he knows what he's doing. I didn't know Brock that well yet, but he already came off as a great dude. So, mm-hmm. um, like he did with you guys, I'm sure, just off that little bit of time, right? Yeah. But, so, uh, but yeah, so that was kind of the reason why I said yes, when, especially when he said, we won't put you in a spot where we don't think you can handle it. Mm-hmm. And they didn't. So, that was the, the part that I was like, all right, yeah, because... <laughs> I don't think anybody ever truly feels ready for a fight mm, until yeah. like maybe the peaking right beforehand if you yeah. have full camp, right? Yeah. But until then, nobody ever feels ready to accept one. Yeah. And so they explained that to me too, and that still holds true. But uh, but yeah, so that was kind of the thought process going into it. I knew I wasn't ready, but my, why not, I guess? Mm-hmm. So get the first one out of the way. And as you yeah. got closer, was there any, like, reflection or you were just, like, it was so new, you just don't know what to expect or kind of that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I guess something's about to happen. Yeah. yeah. And it's, like, that roller coaster of emotions that you guys have felt where, yeah. like, every time you think about the fight, adrenaline spikes mm-hmm. and then uh, you're, like, oh, just settle the hell down. Even three weeks away or four weeks away, as soon as you yeah. sign the contract, settle the hell down, you know? Yeah. So. But, but then... Um, that was something I was like, okay, it'll probably just be like wrestling as soon as you step in there. It'll just go away. All the all the adrenaline and all the butterflies and everything will just mm-hmm. be gone. 
And sure enough, it was. Mm-hmm. You, know, you guys know that. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. yeah. Well, then, at least we weren't fighting on Jenga blocks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly, bro. A little more nerve-wracking. But. Yeah. <laughs> and then, did it just... How many fights do you have total? Uh, six, including my one boxing match. So not many. Okay. Yeah. But did it just get easier after that to... The nerves? Yeah. Uh... I think it's always about the same. Mm-hmm. And I think it kind of comes and goes with how prepared you are, too. Yeah. Like, two of my fights, I had plenty of notice. I did a lot of work, and, you know, nothing in the world could have really made me that nervous about the fight. Obviously, there's always nerves, but yeah. it's different. You mm-hmm. feel prepared, and with, you know, proper preparation comes self-confidence and confidence yeah. in your abilities. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, there's been a couple where I felt amazing, you know, I was going to be all good regardless. Then a couple others where it's like, uh... Should probably have more notice for this. You know, or <laughs> yeah. Maybe shouldn't have uh, ate potato chips and been a fat ass in wrestling practice. Yeah, you know. <laughs> so yeah, because all that stuff starts to matter. And you know, how did you handle just like the fear? Like, because <clears throat> anyone who does this has to walk through that. Like, there's this. At least for me, and maybe it's the same for you or it's not. I was just like, man, what I'm about to do is like so heavy and I wouldn't stay there long. It's like, but dang this, I'm putting my body at risk. Like my friends and family are about to come watch me. Like I could get slept. Like, yeah. You know, and I had, I had confidence in my abilities and these guys are always reassuring me. But like, how did you deal with that fear? Like what yeah. was your process? I think my biggest issue is fear of failure for sure. Yeah. <clears throat> and um, like with my teammates around, it's kind of the same thing. You know, and then once you step back and realize, like, wait, I'm fighting a guy that's supposed to be at my level, but look at the guys I go with every single day. Nothing right. that this guy's going to bring to the table is going to, you know, present the same amount of danger that they do on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. I think that's very reassuring to know that you have harder rounds and harder practice with them than you're going to have in the fight. I think right. that, that helps. And then the other thing is, is when it's fight day or fight week, don't even think about the fight. Think, yeah. about, think yeah. about the weight cut. And then yeah. after that, think about the music you're listening to, the, how good the gum is you're chewing, or that meal you're going to have afterwards. Exactly. But don't think about the fight. And that's, right. That helps. And that, that's pretty much the only things I've picked up on preparation-wise so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you guys felt anything different? Well, I, I literally did the same stuff you did. Um, I would get pretty crazy before my fights, bro. Yeah. I was a fucking wreck. Like, yeah. Um, and he can tell you, like, Definitely. as it, up into the weight cut, well, the week of, no, the week of, I was just, Trevor would look at me, Trevor Jackson, our coach, okay. and I would just have this, like, fucking blank. Yeah. No, like, not even yeah. that. Like, I wasn't shaking. Like, <laughs> Less there, emotion than that. Yeah. There's, like, nothing there, and then Trevor would look at me, and he's like, you're ready. I can just tell. But I'll, t- I gotta tell the story. I don't know if I told it. <laughs> So Who cares? I, just say it. I was off for, uh, was it two years? And then I came yeah, back and fought Tyler, oh, Tyler Tom Thompson. Thompson. Yeah. And Tyler Thompson was an amateur around here who was like 13 and 0. And like yeah. Okay. tough wrestler. Yeah. And then Scott's coming off a two year hiatus. Two year hiatus, yeah. hiatus yeah. man. And so uh, it did, I felt like I kept telling myself ring rust is not a real thing. And I was really going hard with Karos and then like DJ, Ben Wada, yeah. and Joel Ridzak. And these are like amateurs that like. We're fucking killers, right? And Bibby came during my camp, and so I was like, cool. And Pocholo, um, boxing with Jake and stuff. So I, I was well prepared, but like the day of, I woke up, and I was just sitting there, and I was like, what the fuck? And my brain was like, so I get in my car, right? And I just drive to this church. And I just walk in, and I sit in the pew, and I'm like, 
I just start praying. I'm just like, I don't know. Like, I'm not religious anymore, but at that moment I was. I was just fucking praying. And I'm like, it turns out it's a full service. And they're like, have <laughs> communion. And so I'm like, I'm going to go have communion. Fuck it. And so like, I like pass all these like things with Jesus. Like, you know, he's carrying the cross and doing all that. And it's just church. And I was just freaking out the whole time. And then I get the body of Christ and then like the blood. And then I like go back and I sit in my seat and I'm just thinking and thinking and thinking and I'm like fuck and then I look and there's this dude to my right and he's just like you can just tell he doesn't have a pot to piss in you can just see it and I just like stare at him and I, he didn't see me thank god because maybe I would have <laughs> had two fights that day because I got look at that boy <laughs> and then I, I need sweat. a warm up yeah. <laughs> but I just like looked at him and I was and he just had his head down and he's like asleep and I'm like man this shit really isn't that big of a deal bro you know this is just uh, a game mm-hmm. and then something just told like something came into me it was probably my own voice just had a profound or spiritual experience and I just told myself like it's gonna be okay and then after that just like Good. but yeah. yeah man I mean I even thought it was weird. I was like, man, why am I doing this? But it's my was my anxiety, and I needed to go and do that to get just, you know, reminded. And, you know, Cowboy – so Donald Cerrone has this video where he, like, talks about how freaked out he gets. The yes, I've, I've heard this. I was, like, like after most of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, me, that's me. And then before my fight, like, I would fall asleep just to, like, give the illusion that I was, like, calm. But the whole time I'm like, fuck. Fuck, fuck, fuck. And then Demetrius Johnson shows up and he's like, Scott, you know what? Don't even worry about it. And I'm like, yeah, whatever, motherfucker. Like, in my head, yeah. even as I'm war- warming up and everything is crisp, there's just this... Ner- uh, ner- um, it's, I'm being neurotic. I'm just yeah. fear, fear. But then the minute I get out there, and then right when I step in... Well, I would do weird shit, too. I would circle the cage before the fight because I was like, I own it. Yeah. That's I do that too. Like a shark. And I said, I'm a sh- I would think, I'm a shark. You know what I'm saying? He's going to be in there with me. And so then... I would think about that, and then when I walk out, right when I, like, touch the canvas, I'm like, it didn't matter at that point. Yeah, it's like, well, I can't turn back now, so right. well, here <laughs> we go. Well, here we go. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So it, it was like that for me, and um, I don't poach. Can you share, like, what you... Yeah, I mean, I get nervous as well, but, I mean, I'm He's a pretty, calm, I'm, I'm pretty calm person, like, beforehand, and... Uh, I actually do kind of fall asleep before, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. but uh, I try to. I can't, but yeah. I, I try to just be as calm as possible. I'm like a little kid. Yeah. Like when parent comes in, or you go to sleep. I'm like, oh, I'm asleep. I am asleep. <laughs> but I'm calm. No, fuck yeah, me. but um, yeah, no. I mean, I get nerves like just, especially like, you know, it's like that when I feel like the biggest hit, kind of like, oh, you're 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 up, and then like when you're walking out, but I, then I feel. Almost like that, some of what Scott's saying, like, as soon as you step in, you're like, well, there's no turning back now. Yeah. You know, there's only one way. Yeah. One, there's only one way through. through this guy, yeah. Exactly. So, it's almost like, I think, entering, like, the eye of the storm at that point. Yeah. Because I, I feel like you're all, it's, when I, when trying to describe the people who've never done it, but it's almost like you're going, entering, like, a wind tunnel, where it's like, okay, every, you, you feel there's, there's a lot of energy around, but you almost need to be, like, in the center of it and be still. Without, yeah, without getting engulfed in like what's happening around you, yeah, you know, because there's such a yeah, because there's there's no, so much, no, there's so much, and then like just the tension, you know, because that's like that's one thing that's always like um, that I always notice, just like the energy in the room, especially just, you know in fights or tournaments or just anything, you feel like it's that collective like anxiousness from everyone mm-hmm. there, you know, like every rules meeting, everyone's just like. 
Oh, like us. And, like, we're just like look, looking at each other. Like, it's happening. happening right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah, so yeah, I feel like just feeling that and then just utilizing it, like for there. But yeah, there's definitely sometimes. I think like what I've what's happened to me sometimes I just come in too flat because I'm almost like so disconnected. Yeah. Like from there. Yeah, that's happened yeah. here too. Yeah. Yeah, but it's you know it's that yeah. fine balance you know because you don't want to be like super amped up because then you end up you know like adrenaline dumping and you know yeah. just a bunch of other things. But then if you go in like super like not like dismissive, then you're it's just as bad. Yeah. Like, yeah. Let's not walk in with yeah. the resting heart rate of fifty. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh well, I guess it's about to happen. Yeah, right walk now. in like <laughs> walking with the Coke Zero. <laughs> oh shit! You want to hold this? Yeah. This is oh, God. Oh, hey, Brock. Hey, Brock. Coke me. <laughs> oh, there's no cup holder in this cage, is there? <laughs> Comes in between rounds of water. Oh, where the fuck's my Coke? <laughs> yeah, I would, yeah, I would just get to... When I walked in, I would just get into a different mental state. It was like... Yeah. And that's yeah. how I earned my nickname. I was just like... You know, I just... There was not a whole lot of, like, emotion at that point. And it was just like there's a target... Yeah. And this person stand like I just knew I was like this person's yeah. gonna try to hurt me. Yeah. yeah, you know I only got emotional before one fight, and I've talked about that before when a guy got in my face and pressed his forehead up on my against my nose, and but you know what really brought me in? It's it's like the most focused I've ever been in my life, bro. Yeah, not even in, like in that cage. It's just like nothing, and it was so crazy because when Matt was in my corner, I would tune out everything except his voice. Because I had just been conditioned to hear his directly. Hyper-focus. Hyper-focus. Yeah. I could pick... Like, if we were at, like, a festival... You can definitely tell Demetrius the same way, about it. Yeah, I would just hear it, and I would do exactly what he told me. And some people got nervous with him in the corner and never did. I would... I always wanted him in my corner, and when yeah. he wasn't there, I was just like, fuck. And Trevor was great, too. I loved having Trevor, and, like, Pat was in there one time, but it's just something about yeah. Matt that made me just calm. Just on like, that bandwidth. Yeah. I would I would get nervous. I'm like, oh, I need Matt to be here. Like, you know, and <laughs> when he was there, just... Yeah. Yep. Yeah, man. Yeah, I, I've never seen him, like, personally at a fight, but, I mean, <clears throat> well, that's a lie. I, we all drove down to Kansas City for that fight with Wilson Hayes. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Demetrius' yeah. fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, but, yeah, just, like watching Demetrius listen to everything he says and it's like Matt's playing a video game. Yeah. Does well, it. I was like, well Matt, so Matt's cool. his corner is just so just so calm. Oh, so yeah. calm, like, so yeah. technical. Yeah. yeah. Everything is like it's not even okay, try for the Kimura. It's like steps to get to the Kimura like uh you need to pin the arm before you knee slide or whatever. You know, or yeah. make sure you have the underhook on this side as you um, pivot your hips. It's so specific. And it's like yeah, yeah it's it's like precise and there's like no there's no fat in the words. Yeah. Like no. There. But, uh, yeah. It's, yeah, it's crazy. So I can totally understand how you guys would feel that way, for sure. Yeah, I, for sure. Yeah, and I was like, I just want to do what he says, you know? It's yeah. like, make him proud, too. Yeah. So, how many, so you said how many fights you've had, so like... six fights, including six the fights, one boxing yeah. match? Yeah. Okay. So, what, um, what do you think about, like, the UFC and, like, the current state of MMA and, like, the era of McGregor and, like, do you have any, like, opinions? Well, because, dude... Talking to you, you're like a down to earth, like hard working, like that's small town dude. But we've talked about value. We talked about values, so yeah. Um, I'd be shocked if you were 
you thought the way Pochola just described. <laughs> oh, he just cuts a promo. He's like, look, bro, I don't give a fuck about nobody. I'm just here trying to get, get, let my, get let my, my name out some yeah, spots yeah, real quick. Exactly. Henry Tudor taking everything I work for, motherfucker. <laughs> just as, <laughs> monster energy. Yeah, I'm like, what? <laughs> it just starts, he's like, that's what's in the coke. I look, it's green. I'm like, oh, fuck. Cody's got a tattoo of monster on his ass. <laughs> They're like, no one asked you to get that. He's like, I'm going to make a big one day. You're going to pay me for this. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, being a participant and, you know, I, I just want to know your opinions about it because I have a oh, whole yeah. bunch. But, like, what yeah. do you think about the current state of affairs with, yeah, UFC and where the sport's at right now? Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. Definitely, I don't think the, the money thing at all. I don't. I really don't care about money. I'm so frugal. Like, I will find a way to live as minimally as possible to maximize the amount of hours doing something yeah. I love. Yeah. Sure. So this guy using our laundry, like, right 100%. Now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I am too cheap to use yeah. the laundromat while our washer's busted, so I brought it along. Good man. Yeah. That's <laughs> how you survive. Yeah. yeah. But um, my thoughts are, like, I can't stand the the Conor McGregor portion of things. I can't stand the, the shit-talking to sell fights. I understand the entertainment value. Mm-hmm. I understand the business side of things. But... I think you have to make a choice, like, how much are we uh, a premier sports organization that values the sport versus how much are we a business, right? Like, Or a it, spectacle. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, um, to have people jump the line of other guys in the rankings just to sell tickets, it's that's where it gets a little convoluted, right? That's where, what are we really valuing? Like, you're just mm-hmm. saying, what, what do you, yeah. we value? I think 1FC does an amazing job of valuing the right things. Mm-hmm. Um, the UFC, not so much, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, well, one thing 1FC doesn't value is Sage's brain cells. <laughs> Jesus. Apparently not. I guess a terrible <laughs> thing to say regarding last night's event, well, this morning's event, Jesus. Yeah. Um, but, but, yeah, and... I think that uh, otherwise, regional circuits and stuff like in Minnesota could be bigger, but it's bigger than it's ever been. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's growing in that regard. We all know that about it, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, but I think it comes down to too. Like you look at you have a conversation of the greatest of all time with people, and so many people have so many different answers. But it's all based on it's so subjective and based on what you value, like. You could ask an everyday Joe Schmo from the mall, and what are they going to tell you? Probably Conor McGregor. Or yeah. They might know who John Jones is, which is a pretty good bid, right? Yeah. But for, sure. <laughs> no, for the wrong thing. <laughs> for the wrong thing. Oh, you mean yeah, the guys I still think, I still think he is. <laughs> the hit and run guy? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that aside, he's Go. like he's a really interesting person to yeah. like listen to and like just like his life story. And it's just, I understand yeah. him, but I, I think he's definitely <laughs> To me, yeah. But anyway, he's, we'll he's for sure like up there in my equation too. But it, I think it comes down to again what you value. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And because um, greatness just isn't your record; it's like your conduct and right. It's like by that standard, like look at Ali. Yeah. And look at like what the conditions he came up under and the things he was facing just in that era. You know. What yeah. I mean? So if you value um, like those things, obviously, or if you value even entertainment value. He'd probably be another one too. He talked a ton of shit. And was amazing <laughs> yeah. On the mind. So yeah, cool. exactly. You know. So, but it's it comes down to you know what you what you value it comes down to being subjective because mm-hmm. I mean I think we have to look at 
so much of MMA to have that discussion of greatest of all time, how scoring should be done. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, how are you going to judge what's even great? Yes, exactly. Because yeah. when you look at a fight, I, that's a problem too. Because yeah. are is this a fight or is this yeah. a mixed martial arts bout? Because yeah. if it's a fight, maybe we should damn we should value damage more than we do. But if it's a mixed martial arts bout, maybe we should value. Uh, like competency and grappling and striking exactly. higher than damage, right? Yeah. right? And then if when you start to have those conversations, then it changes how you have the conversations of the greatest of all time too. Like I think if you're looking at a mixed martial arts athlete, uh, the best mixed martial artist, I think it's Demetrius Johnson. But mm-hmm. if you're talking the greatest fighter of all time, I don't know if it's DJ. I think it might be John Jones. You know, or because yeah. then you're valuing. Yeah, from things, every yeah, you know? from every aspect. Like, and DJ's up there too. Not like, of no, course, like, he's, he's he's not ooh. out of the top no, three out of in any Absolutely. value for me. But yeah, but yeah, and 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 honestly, the way I value it, I think I value it as a mixed martial arts bout. I value it as like a mixed martial arts athlete, not a fighter in a fight. Mm-hmm. So for me, Demetrius is the greatest of all time. Yeah, but. To some people, they don't value it the same, so they don't look at it the same. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, like, in the current state of uh, mixed martial arts, I think it's a little convoluted in that sense mm-hmm. that people look at it differently than what it is, where as something that's been as established as, like, the NFL and football, I mean, let, let's yeah. talk about that for a second. When Payment, people talk about yeah. MMA, they, they, t- they say, oh, you, uh, you train UFC? They don't even... That's like saying you train NFL. That, that makes no damn yeah, no. sense. You know, but people don't even... run around, do some NFL or Yeah, so like the, the amount of knowledge that people have about the sport itself is, is well, so low that it's hard to really have a general understanding. Well, but know? then goes the question, like, is it sport or is it like sports entertainment? Exactly. Which is yeah. which is more of the which is really more the way it's being sold. Yeah, you know? the way it's being sold for sure. Yeah. But then you look at the... Uh, again, I think like one FC does a way better job of sports versus sports entertainment. They're more on the sports side. Mm-hmm. They're more on the side of like obviously they value things like having integrity, being a good person. Otherwise, mm-hmm. I'm not even gonna have you on their roster, you know. Yeah. And um, I think it's hard for them to sell to the U.S. audience though because people don't know about them. They think they're like second-rate fighters. But then you watch Sage get destroyed by Cosmo. It's like, okay, their stock goes up. You watch uh, who is it? Timo get yeah, yeah. knock Na- out Eddie Alvarez. Na- yeah, nasty Ugin. Yeah. Yep. And stock rises again. You know, Demetrius didn't have a super tough fight, but it was a competitive fight it was, yeah. with uh, Yuya. Yeah. You know, so like it keeps raising their stock, and eventually, when they get a TV deal over here. Oh, they do. They're on TNT. Well, yeah, TNT knows drama. Yeah, TNT knows drama. Well, they're blended too, so they also have like kickboxing and Muay Thai. And yeah, but, but I think and, that's nice too, because then you yeah. get to see these like world class. Like combat sports in like a condensed setting, you know, because like yep. where else would you see that kind of high level Muay Thai or kind of high level kickboxing? Right, and then yeah. it's gonna expose people to it if they just tune in for one for the other. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, oh, I'm interested in lion fights now or glory. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Cool. yeah. yeah. And in, in terms of like, uh, like you brought it up, it, and the thing is, is since UFC is such a big uh, profit generator, like I mean, that I don't know how much their yearly. Ain't, I mean, profits are, but it's it's gotta be. It's a profitable brand. Yeah, it's, it's four billion, and it's yeah. glow and it's global. Right. But then you you really look at it, and when you like remove the veil of like the entertainment, and it's brutal what fighters go through, barely to like make a living, unless yeah. you're in that upper echelon. And we've talked about this on the podcast a lot. Um, I, I think 
most people are hoping there's like some union or something that happens because it's brutal yeah. man there's like people who get wrecked and you know they only have what like 60,000 yeah. to their name 60,000 they're lucky ma- yeah. Yeah. yeah or like even like I know base level fighters guys make like 5 and 5 still five, yeah. pull in like if they're lucky 21,000 after all the expenditures to like coaches and all those different things supplements even that medical. Medical. you're making an RA to be honest and then yeah and then taxes and yeah. taxes so yeah. Yeah. yeah and it's something uh, uh, you just you just mentioned this part of it. it's like no you said upper echelon mm-hmm. but it's funny what the upper echelon is for MMA versus something like you know football or baseball it's like think of how many people are in the MLB or the NFL I don't know what the amount of no, they yeah. It's like it's well over a couple thousand in the the NFL, right? Yeah, yeah. What yeah. like seventy guys to a roster, something like that? Yeah, something yeah, like yeah. That. yeah. What do you think the lowest guys getting paid? Don't they have a cap at like you got to make at least one hundred fifty, two hundred k? I think it's like one hundred, like two hundred k, something like that. Yeah, yeah. But but that right. comes with a collective bargaining. Exactly, and yeah. and it's also that I think the NFL fifty percent of the uh, of the inco- profits, of the profits yeah, go back to, to the, the salary, athlete, yeah, in yeah. salary, yeah. And Fertitta was on a, like, I think it was, date, not Dateline, or like, 2020 interview, one of those. Some and, kind of thing. And the interviewer was like, do you pay your fighters on the same, um, at the pay same ratio? level as the pay ratio as the NFL and NHL? And he's like, yeah, we do. And it's like, not, it's not even close. When I'm they sure not. When looked at it. Yeah, so, I, I think yeah. I've seen something, some sort of metric that was... Right around like the ten or twelve percent of event earnings is paid fighters. Yeah, but, I mean, 10 to 12, does that yeah. sound about right? Yeah, yeah. From what I heard, yeah. When you look at boxing, what is it closer to that 60 percent mark? Yeah. Which, I mean, that's why you need an Ali Act or something at least. And yeah. That's just ridiculous to me, because I mean, like watching Tony Martin come up when he was first getting started in the UFC. When I first started going to mm-hmm. Brox, he was like making five and five, six and six, and even. And that's the what? big time, bro. Yeah, you're big one time. of you're yeah. one of the top 100 athletes in your weight class in the world. You are in the UFC, which only contracts five six hundred fighters at a time. Mm-hmm. You are one of the top five or six hundred fighters in the world, mm-hmm. and you are making. If you're fighting three times a year and you win all those fights before taxes and expenses, you're telling me you're making was that thirty six thousand a year, and that's being active. Like that's insane. Yeah. And then let's let's bring it a notch further. Let's say you get into the. You bust the top 15. Tony just got to the top 15, right? And I've watched like his pay scale go through the the years here. And now he's finally to the point where he's making like 30 and 30, somewhere around that mark, right? So now he's like actually able to make a living off of this, have a comfortable living. And he's one of the top 15 welterweights in the world. That is unbelievable. You mm-hmm. know, think of the top 15 linemen or oh, like, yeah. it, it like more specific top 15 running backs in the world. How much There's no comparison. Make? Yeah. I'll Tony's making rigid. chunk change compared to compared them. to like even what the athletes are gonna make who just got or who are gonna get drafted like yeah. even NBA yeah like Zion what was it what was his name Zion uh, Williams? Williams oh he's getting millions man millions bro and he's top top but I'm saying even no matter where you fall you're getting paid bro yeah you're set if you're the last draft choice still you're still yeah. set yeah, yeah that that is a huge issue with MMA so I completely agree. And the, the thing, too, is it's, like, concerning um, just how much damage you can potentially take in the fights on the same level as, like, the NFL. And the problem is, like, the CTE studies have been largely ignored in um, the United States, whereas in Canada they've, like, come out and said, like, you know, this is 
potentially more dangerous than boxing, more dangerous than um, football on some level. But yeah. those studies haven't been accepted, so it's and people choose to do it. They shouldn't be denied that choice, you right. know. And and every fighter knows what they're getting into for sure. But one hundred fuck like yeah, you just it, hope that if with the times things would change to where maybe future generations get paid better than you would. Because you went through the struggle and you know what it's like. Yeah, but like UFC is really like a Walmart model in terms yeah. of like the anti-union stuff. Like, yeah. well, yeah, because then that yeah. takes into their profit margins. Sure. Yeah, Duh. yeah, yeah, and but it's like just very anti-union, and then like the the re- it's crazy how divided the fighters are mm-hmm. amongst each other. Where it's just like you know this is individual. I got to do what I got to do. You know, if you can do what Connor does, or you can do what these other guys do. You know, and it's possible, but it's like come on. Yeah, and then at that point, it's too, possible, it's like, but is it really? Yeah, is it probable? Yep. No. Yeah, man. And the fact that you have to ask yourself an ethical question, like, do I be my true self and make a fifth of what I could make, or do I be completely fake and make five times the amount of money? Like, can you imagine how much money DJ would make if he was good on the mic at talking shit and didn't care how it reflected on him? I bet you'd made a lot more money in the UFC, you know, but. Right, well, granted, it is one twenty-five, so there's kind of that. But that's the sad. A lot of people don't matter. <laughs> but that's the sad tale of the UFC. There's like two moments that really like let me know what the brass values, and one is just how they treated DJ. Yeah, you know for sure. how like he had to go out and make a stance and say like, "Look, I'm not gonna unless you give me this certain amount, I'm not gonna fight Dillashaw." Yeah, like, I'm yeah. not appreciated. I've been disrespected because he has been disrespected. The other moment is. How when Connor attacked the bus that Khabib was in, and then like Dana came out and was just like, you know, this is deplorable, you know, we won't stand for this, and then they fucking used it in the hype for the fight, yeah, you know. And then how like he wants to act stupid now, like he didn't create that scenario, like Dana himself in the brass didn't create next time Connor Khabib fight, they're gonna use that exactly. What did you not expect this Dagestani? Dude, to like freak out when you were shitting on his religion, yeah, and shitting on where he was from, yeah, like somebody's core fundamental values with their like and the just foundation of oh, their life mean, is built upon. You mean, yeah. you mean the the guy from the hills of Dagestan? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and then then they backtrack. Oh well, this is just unacceptable. It's like no, you did this. This is the culture that you promoted. You kind of instigated it for sure. Yeah, yeah. and so <laughs> yeah, it, it it makes it hard because it's just like. What's the reference point for like the person that wants to get interested? Is it the UFC? And hopefully, once they get into a gym, they realize there's so much more to the sport, and there's really beautiful, creative, artistic aspects to it. Like watching, I watched uh, Adesanya and Gastelum fight again, and yeah. I was like, wow, like that is what, what a beautiful just display, you know? Mm-hmm. Or watching DJ so fight Benavidez, things. yeah, you know that first time, and it's just. Or even watching him fight kid, it's just like you're like there is something to this. It just isn't like brains getting smashed and limbs getting broken. That is the risk, but I just worry that, that all that's getting lost or it's like, you know. It's like the artistic expression, you know. If uh, mm. somebody that's a phenomenal painter can look at another, you know, another piece of art, you just understand the intricacies. Yeah, of it. they can yeah. be like they can see so many more things than you. That's the same thing as like when we watch fights. We see something completely different than an average Joe that's just tuning in because well, they're just humping each other. Yeah, exactly. They're the ones Why that are booing in. Stand nine. up and fight like man. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas we're like the Muay Thai. Yeah, you do it. 
where yeah. it's like, holy shit, did you see how he cut past because of this, or uh, how he set up that Kamora submission because he baited this first? I Nobody like him when he hits him hard. Mm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So like the part where they get punched in the face. Yeah. <laughs> And that's the you know, like do more of that. That's how it was somebody here back in uh, St. Cloud, Minnesota. Yeah. <laughs> so. Oh no, you'll find that anyway. Uh, Fucking <laughs> knocking them out, America. Yeah. I just want to see heavyweights gas in the first round. Of the bombs. <laughs> that's what right. First minute. Where's that Derek Lewis guy talking about the balls being hot? I want to see him. I love that guy. Swinging, banging, swinging, banging. Yeah, but there's that that art portion to it. Yeah, and that gets easily forgotten. Well, because it get, it gets chewed up through the, the the system, through the profit motive first system, and you know so many things get tainted through that. But it going to a gym and being at like a really great place where you form relationships, and then if the coaching staff really is like holding to that art aspect, it's a phenomenal experience for anyone who gets yeah. engaged in it. So you have to separate what the the culture's doing and the business aspect is doing to it and then what we gain from it yeah. and that was so hard for me to do in the beginning because i was just like i watched that fighting in the age of loneliness and i was reading all yeah. these books and i was like man this fucking just being concerned with money and all that it just just fucks everything up yeah but then i had to look at my subjective experience and be like man well i've learned so much mm-hmm. from the sport you know and, um yeah. that's why i want to oh go ahead it's not exclusive to the mma like the, the whole get money thing that's like that, that that's just like a the chase, the paper yeah. chase, bro. Yeah, yeah. Well, think of like, I think. So now we're kind of shifting the like philosophy side of things a little bit. Yeah, more. <laughs> but uh, natural transition. I think yeah. uh, one thing that happens a lot to people, and like this is totally fine if you do this, but I feel like so many people just see security in what their parents did. You know, they've seen that they got the mortgage, the mm-hmm. the kids, and the white pick fence, two point four kids, a dog. It's that life that treadmill. Yeah. yeah, that that American dream, right? And they yeah. just uh, they see the 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 security and comfort in it yeah. and then they just don't get off that beaten path they don't blaze their own trail because it, the trail's already been made for them yeah. why would they step off it right. and then you get so many people that just accept that complacency and comfort and don't ever really go for what they truly are passionate about or makes them happy you know yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I think that's kind of what you're that. getting to yeah. yeah yeah or into the add on to that excellent point what happens is we get so uh, focused in intent on like what we're laboring for just to survive meeting our basic needs and even if you're passionate about it then you get caught in that like well okay i met my needs but i need more for security because the future's uncertain and doomed to doom and then what happens is like our work will just end up consuming our day and then we don't have that time to sit and be like well how do i really want to express my creative self yeah. what do i really want to engage in like do i have time to read do i have time to paint do i have time to express my art through my body with dance or like engage in plays or fighting and then it's like whatever you're truly passionate about and exactly like what that is really like allowing you to contribute your creative force outside of the context of like whatever it doesn't get you paid yeah or whatever like tech job or whatever and i'm sure guys like find meaning in that or like being stuck at a fucking retail job like i was i would go it was so crazy dude i said this before i would go and spar on saturdays and i'm like man i feel alive then I put my work uniform on, walk and clock in, and then my manager's like, Scott, you gotta make sure you're selling the extra battery. And I'm just like, fuck. And then this customer comes <laughs> in and is like, these headphones don't work. Can you fix them for me? I'm like, they're out of warranty, man. That's it. And just throw the headset at me. And I'm just like, what is going It's such a crazy life. <laughs> this is my life. <laughs> right? And it's super existential, but you bring up an excellent point. It's like, 
a lot of people who do MMA, it's like we're it's like kind of an, a niche group of people. It's like the hard nosed wrestlers. It's like the for I mean I think about the Diaz brothers, people who came up rough, Bobby Green, and then it's like kind of like the weird outcasts too that are in there that. Yeah. But it's such like a wide variety of people that get drawn to it. Mm-hmm. But there's always a couple common things that you can unite around, right? Like um, if you don't have perseverance, which is a big yeah. core value, you're not going to make it through jits. You're going to quit before the blue belt first, or you might quit the first week. You know, um, your ego's going to get smashed every single day. But if somebody yeah. is a purple belt or blue belt or whatever, even anything, you can immediately identify like, wow, okay, that person, we at least have that in common. We both are have perseverance. Then... You see people in the gym, like, doing other classes and stuff, and it's so easy to notice, like, uh, if they're here, they probably have some form of work ethic, right? They're not yeah. lazy in that sense. So you can connect with people on things that are such fundamental, like, core values very easily. Exactly. Because if they're there, they have them, you know? Right, and that so. instinct to just, like, survive and thrive is just present in that, and it's hard to get that in a lot of places now because I feel like, our sense of community is really being lost as the years go on, you know, like we're not, you know, and so in social media, this age of loneliness, that, that's the thing. And yeah. that's what I'm saying. It's supposed to connect people is really just further isolating. Yeah. Social yeah, media sure. has brought a, a lot of positive things, but it just like any tool, it has like an alienating effect. And like most of us are just alienated. And so like when I step into AMC, like that goes away. Yep. It's not like, fuck, okay. How am I going to carve out a life when there's just not a lot of opportunity right now? Yeah, there's a lot of jobs, but it's like my the income is still... I got I to gotta do a side hustle. We're the fucking side hustle generation, you know? Yeah. So then when I come into AMC, it's like it doesn't matter. My economic standing doesn't matter at that point when I get in through there. It doesn't matter what's going on at work. It's like immediate community. How yeah. can I help you get better? Like, how can I push you? Like, what can I do for you? You're surrounded by like-minded people. <laughs> yeah. A yeah. mm-hmm. uh, perfect example of this, too, is like... Um, when I moved from St. Cloud, there's a coworker of mine that moved a couple months before me. Mm-hmm. There's another coworker that moved here like a month after me, mm-hmm. so just a couple weeks ago. So these people, when they moved away, I'll still get in touch with them every once in a while. I mm-hmm. did not too long ago, and they're telling me about how like they, they still don't have like that many friends or people they're talking to. They're like, "Oh, how's it going for you?" I was like. Fan fucking fantastic yeah. <laughs> everything's awesome I mean yeah. and, but then when I sit back and look at it it's like I'm fortunate that I have a hobby to where I can connect with people on such a deep level of like core values like I was saying so quickly that I mean I can automatically be friends with you guys as soon as I'm in the gym you Bam. guys realize I'm not a shitty human being it's, yeah. it's a done deal right Yeah. and the same thing with like as soon as I was in the gym it was like James, Sean um, you know, Ryan, Vincent, Neil, all these guys are just great dudes. Yeah. And you can just connect with something right away. So they've been in their spots, some of them for a lot longer than me, and they like don't have anybody to talk to or spend time with, but I have tons of people right away. That's mm-hmm. that's something where it's like, but at the same time, as fortunate as I am, um, not to toot my own horn at all, but it, that's just completely a choice. Like, Put yourself in a situation where you can thrive in those things, mm-hmm. you know, and that, that's that's where personal responsibility yeah. comes back in. Yeah, 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 yeah. Put yourself right. in a situation where you're pursuing something, mm-hmm. or like where you're in, to where you can find other people. Exactly, it's like a creative outlet. Like yeah. yeah, instead of just going to your nine to five, driving home, yeah. and then well, petting the dog and watching Game of Thrones, which is amazing, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> but well, Cody, a lot of people go to happy hour because <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. it's rough at the office, and they're like. 
you had their communities taking shots, you know, and so it, yeah, pursue the health different kinds of shots, different yeah, kinds yeah, of shots, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's like yeah, pursue the the healthy outlet for sure, and like I mean, I'm not saying communities completely eviscerated. It's just like it's different now. It is for sure. It's different, and you're right though. Yeah. You're not wrong. It's like you have to go and seek it out, and the message doesn't seem to be that. You know what I mean? It's just it's changed. It's like just how we interact. But and, there's because there's no real. I guess incentive to be creative, like from right, that. or like we. And the thing that's so interesting to me about MMA, if it, I'm just gonna talk about fighters, is I don't know anything about that. We are, <laughs> we are understand. forged, and our bonds are forged through, just the intensity of like eventual competition. Like when someone has a fight, like I still get that feeling as if I'm fighting. When I corner someone, I'm more nervous than when I fought. For sure. And so it's like. Going through something that intense, it just brings you to get together, and you're redefining that each time, like you grapple or you spar. Like you're just like fuck. Like I gotta prepare you because someone's gonna try to hurt you. Like you could get seriously injured, and like you don't lose that connection. It's really it's like combat, not like fucking bullets are whizzing past my head, and I gotta worry about RPGs and shit. But it's still on a lower level. Yeah. Like, after that, I'm not afraid to talk to you about what you think about life. I'm not afraid to talk to you about your politics. Like, I'm not... Yeah. I can talk to you about anything if we, like, train together and, like... Even the deepest parts of, like, the darkest parts of, like, my soul or my struggle. Like, I'm not going to say it on the podcast, but I was telling this guy all sorts of shit I've been going through. Yeah. And even I got... A little bit of it, too. Yeah, I did. And so, like... And again, like, we've known each other, what, a month? I know. It's it's crazy, right? And it's like, I had to have you just wrestle me so I could... (laughs) Like, I could... And just train and... I even get in my car after I did this after our conversation and my conversation with Pocholo. I was just like, fuck, dude, that just came out, you know? But I needed that. And it's the bonds are tight, man. Yeah. But everyone struggles. That's, that's the yeah. thing. It's like, yep. that's not a, it, it's part of the human condition. But mm-hmm. then also the where, but then where are you drawing your support structure? Mm-hmm. You know, I think, I think that's an important thing that mm-hmm. a lot of people don't really, you know, recognize like from that. Because like, how deep is a friendship? You know, right. how, like what is a friend nowadays in today's society? Which yeah. is crazy too, <laughs> because I mean, like I've had a decent amount of variation experiences, but um, like basic training, um, just out of the couple months with those guys, like some of them I did not like, yeah. but there was just a certain level of respect because you knew that they were signed up for the same thing you did. Yeah probably for the same reasons you did or at least to some extent yeah. right and there's just like automatically that same respect as you have and the camaraderie as you have for people like in this setting because you understand the struggle yeah, yeah it's like it's like the same feeling the the super close friends i've had from mma that i can get in just a couple of months is the same thing with um the military mm-hmm. and i have never found that anywhere else i've never found a friendship so deep right mm-hmm. and then i have co-workers that are buddies you know they're friends but um it's funny because like when i talk to people there's like certain levels to the friendship like if i call you bro it's like just a you know every day whatever you're just another guy mm-hmm. but like brother brother you know like those are levels like it sounds yeah. stupid but it's like um de- it's like depth of that friendship and nowhere else in my life have i ever found that and i feel bad for people that I have as like coworkers and stuff that don't have that. They just have their friends. But it's like, who can you really count on? If you had a flat tire, how many people of those friends would you need to call? 
before, or if your car broke down, how many of those would you have to call before? <laughs> or if you had a shitty ass Honda that <laughs> yeah. the cops kept putting shit on and yeah. they kept trying to tow it, who could you go to? Paul Cholo Cruz. Fuck you, Kirkland PD. You motherfuckers didn't tow that shit because of Pocholo. I got a pick and pull. Anyway, yeah. 120 for that piece of shit. Anyway. Done deal. Yeah. But like you Man. know who you can count on right yeah. away. Right? Yeah. You have a list. Whereas those guys, they don't have that. And I mean, in a way, I feel bad for them. But at the same time, it, it's shit. personal choice. Yeah, it's personal choice. You can go and find that. Anybody yeah. can. And, and that's the thing. It's not like, you know, it's given to you. Yeah. Like, you know, it's a... It's, it's, a, it's something you've earned because you, because you know, if you weren't, you know, putting yourself in that situation with those say, with, you know, with those kind of people, they wouldn't, they wouldn't treat you that way. Well, yeah, uh, camaraderie uh, is built through a yeah. uh, common struggle. You know, Very if, much, you, yeah. if you look like at adversity uh, for sure. Yeah. Like I was just astounded, and I mean, this is gonna sound like common sense, but like how close, like uh, the members of like the student nonviolent coordinating committee where like I met a few of them when I traveled to the South for that civil rights pilgrimage and it's like when you go through something that intense, like you're facing Jim Crow segregation. Like at that point it's like we're no longer just friends. Yeah. We're like bonded to one another because of you're all the terror the struggle. All that united in common struggle. And like that's um even when I uh the kids I work with, I just sit there and I'm like I mean, I'll fully understand it, but when I see them go through what they're going through, and then I sit and talk to them about their situations, it's like that. This relationship has changed. It's no longer para educator and student. It's like it's different now because you've let me into your struggle, yeah. even briefly, you know. And that's I think that is the unifying force that we need to continue to like move towards, like regardless. And like that's why ideology at times can be so like harmful. When you just look at things, well, because when you look at things like on a material basis, like what is actually going on? Like if I told you like, okay, there's this workplace struggle going on and then I extended a political ideal to it, you'd be like, well, no, fuck that because of the political ideal. But then if I showed you what was going on and didn't say shit, you'd be like, well, maybe I'm more inclined to help, you know, or maybe I'm more inclined to like lend assistance. And that's solidarity is important, Yeah, you know, and fighting gives you an opportunity to experience that on some (laughs) level, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and one thing to add to that, too, is I feel like it's, like, what comes first for people, the chicken or the egg, in the sense that, um, like, do they find their values based off of the group that they're in? Mm-hmm. Like, do they find, do they assign themselves to a group and then figure out their values from that group? Or do they figure out their values and then find their group? You know what I mean? Because yeah. some people yeah, just... Is it internal? It could external. be both. Yeah. yeah. Right. It could be, too, like, different degrees of, uh, of it. But, um some examples of this is like blind obedience to political groups like somebody that's you know just oh my parents are democrats so i'm going to be a democrat right or my parents are republican i'm going to be a republican and you didn't even take time to figure out for yourself yeah. what you value in the world yeah to try and come up with what social issues you want to side with and which ones you don't or like what issues in life or what life choices mm-hmm. you want to make based on your own decisions you are basing all of it off of just oh well Republicans are pro-life, so I'm going to be pro-life. Or Republicans value this, um, you know, distribution of wealth, you know, like a balance across the board. But then instead of saying to yourself the idea that, man, I think that uh, I value the idea of hard work and risk more, so Mm -hmm. I'm going to side with, like, the Republican side of things because they shouldn't be taxed more punished because they did those things. Mm -hmm. Not saying that's wrong or right, but... You know, being able, I can respect 
somebody's choice to do that more than I can if they just say, oh, well, the Republican way to do it is 18% across board, whatever, right? Right, right, right. Um, or, you know, flip side of the coin, it doesn't matter. Somebody that's um, on the, the left side of the spectrum, mm-hmm. if they say to me, like, well, you know, uh, like you were saying, I, I value the fact that people should be creative and everything else, and, like, we should value, you know, every profession you know, sure, some are a little more valuable than others. But well, we talked about the doctor and then the garbage man, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, like, um, and but if you base your idea on that off of your own values that you came up with, I can respect that a lot more than I can somebody that's just like, oh, well, I'm just going to go with this because that's what the group does. Well, I mean, right? and, and that's what I tend to do. I've read a lot, and I, yeah. I feel like there's a lot of value in the things I've read and the people I've looked to as guiding forces but honestly I think that's a healthy way to do it but we talked about this it's like theory and practice like my knowledge has come from like my experiences in the workplace even now at this job I have there's just like you see it you see the difference in pay scale like even as in a retail setting I'm like man like this is some people's second and third job and then like the treatment and the lack of control you have being like a part-time and full-time as opposed to a manager, it just has always bothered me, you know? You have no say in like manager selection or like how you want things to be run at the store. And um, so, yeah, that came... I had those feelings before I reached out to the the thinkers and philosophers I read. But I also am getting to a point as I get older where I'm like, I have to understand where you're coming from because somewhere in there, and you even said it, like you said something where you were like, yeah, no, the the government is in the state. You didn't say state, but that's what you're kind of saying is designed to protect the wealthy. Little did yeah. you know that that was a saying that came from like a radical communist revolutionary. Does that make you a communist? No, but you think about those things and you're like, huh, what's going on there? So that's, I always like meeting those points and then hearing like when I may be wrong because you're absolutely right about like, personal responsibility that's like something i see now more than ever i could be broke as fuck like not getting paid that much but what do i do and that's what mma has taught me it's like what's your choice i gotta choose because we're always choosing and that's the existentialist like dilemma that's like what it is it's like i am choosing to create myself every day i'm not going to be a fool and be like oh every billionaire has got there through hard work there's a lot of other shit that (laughs) there's many factors but yeah there's there's a multitude of factors for sure and some are wrong and then but the other thing is like even without that like what do i do how do i define meaning how do i become creative and what do i do even if things aren't going right because and also what do you want yeah Yeah. and i think you you said a, a word that puts it in a good way like um, instead of choosing your core values based off what the group does, do it based off personal experiences, mm-hmm. right? And if it's funny too because if somebody just takes in whatever the, the group sides with and that's what they value, then mm-hmm. you value it, well, then you're automatically assigned to these roles that you don't truly, you haven't really thought through and you're not open-minded. You've never been open-minded to like look at the vast you know, spectrum of choices. Like, like what which, options you had. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Then, <laughs> so then you're... Oh, we had options? Yeah, so then also now you're just cemented into one, right? Mm-hmm. And now if anybody were to side anywhere else along that spectrum, if it doesn't coincide with your value, also they're like attacking not just one thing that... One social issue. Also it's just something that's part of like the foundation of what created your value system yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so then it's not like somebody's just attacking 
um, my idea of distribution of wealth. They're attacking like a core value of me because that's how I identified my core values is off of that group's identifications. Is that a good way to put yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I'm having a hard time articulating, but I, I think I'm getting my point. Well, across. what you do is like, if you, so, so I look at it like this in worldview as such. So it's like, if I have a value system that comes from my direct experience, I am more inclined to look at things like redistribution of wealth and for it to be logical for me. Like if I look if and if I look at data and I look at like income inequality, which is a huge issue in this country, then that might not be a bad idea. Now, if someone comes in from like the free market side and they're like, well, you know, what you should do is you could start a small business and corporations have built their power in a way to where they can continue to generate wealth and it's taken a lot of risk, so on and so forth. I would have to hear those arguments. And then also if they say like, look, what capitalism does in essence is it gives us goods, it gives us services, it lets the market decide. And they say those things and I really have to pay attention and listen and go, okay, there's merit in what they're saying. But then I also, that's when my my razor comes out and I'm like, but what you're saying is entirely true and it is inherently ideological as well. Because they're... There's choice, but then there's also availability of choices. Yeah. Like, we're presented with choices by the powers that be. And if I sit here with the illusion of and just go, oh, it's all free choice, it's that. But then it's like, what choices am I being given? Right? What corner am I being backed into? But back to values, it's like, yeah, you start with values that stem from your experience. And then you tend to latch on to things that sometimes over-confirm that. But it takes a, a critical thinking person to go and then look at something opposing, understand it, stay committed to what they believe, but then admit, like, okay, there's, there's some, some merit, merit there, yeah, too. Yeah, there's some merit, yeah. yeah. But then again, like, what's the point of these arguments anyway? Is it to actually learn something, or is it just to, quote-unquote, win? Yeah. Because, you, know? you know, what? who are you changing by this? And then, once again, back to the theory and practice, like, are you really going to change someone's mind? By arguing with them. I mean, this is what, how yeah. I look at all these, like, political, like, arguments you have online. Or, like, any argument you really have online. They're just stupid fucking people <laughs> with nothing better to do. Yeah. Because their lives are boring. Because yeah. They, because if they had something worthwhile, there's, like, that a lot instead. of things. They and, that's that tox- instead, and that's right? toxic as fuck. Like, yeah. we are, like, in a bad state when it's, like... I remember I posted something about uh, it's like the income inequality. This. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, dude, the comments turned into something heinous. No, like, but, but that's the thing, man. It's, oh, that's, that's, you, should, you don't... People, I've seen at AMC came out and said things that I was just like, what? Yeah. And I don't want to look at you different. Like, I want to find where we cross. I want to yeah. find where... It was crazy, though, dude. And then I had friends from my... It's not that crazy. Because, like, in essence, like, because yeah. what, what, what you're doing mm-hmm. is that, especially with the, with the tool that you're using, mm-hmm. is, like... It's easy for someone to have an opinion, especially like when it's like in that third person kind of thing where oh, I'll just drop this off here, boom, like because you know they don't need to, they don't need to discuss it with you. There Here's doesn't the need link. to be a discussion. Yeah. They'll be like, bah, and peace out. You know, like <laughs> that'd be great if you could talk. You could talk shit to a lot of people like that. Yeah. You know, if you didn't have to face them. You know, so yeah, the actual it's not, it's not practice. Yeah. Theory and practice, and the actual practice, like towards change, like if you want to make meaningful change, yeah. is very and what difficult. change is actually going to happen? Yeah, yeah, and what change? It takes a lot of organizing and like all those things, and like you know, like the experiences I had at that law office, and like those cases with police brutality. I stopped talking about it. I don't even want to really talk about it on this podcast because it's like a, I was on the ground level with that stuff, and I was like, you know what? 
I understand both sides at some level, but there's just... I don't want to hear someone just go... Like, we talked about this. Like, I support our cops. Okay, that's a huge generalized statement. So yeah. that means you support every activity. Yeah, and, and did that come from just your association with a group that believes in supporting cops? Or did do you have some yeah. personal experiences? <laughs> yes. Like, why? Yeah. And then, on top of that, too, like... Like I told you, I don't I don't like to have uh, political or like religious conversations with people I don't know well mm-hmm. because uh, somebody can just take it as like I'm attacking their identity, I'm attacking their core values. When I'm just trying to have like open dialogue and that you know and explore the other side. And uh, if you just like latch on to things that you don't really give deep thought to and think through the process of why you yeah. believe in those things, then if I just say something small like oh well, I, I'm I'm kind of more to the right, then it's like. You're, if you didn't do those things, then you'd probably be like, well, fuck it. I don't need to have any more of these conversations with Cody because, yeah. you know what I mean? Which I still don't get involved in political conversations in just about any degree. Like social issues are a little bit different, mm-hmm. right? But um, I would, going back to what you were saying, Pachola, like it's just a waste of time because... What are you doing in, yeah, in, like, in that conversation? Like, are you really making impact? Are, is that person making impact... Is that going to change your ideas? Yeah. Or are you talking to them? Is that going to change their... Like, what? nope, this is it? No. What was it? May 17th, 2019, the day we my mind <laughs> Yeah. Well, that's like, the thing. is like yeah. experience and direct experience will shift your thinking as opposed yes. to like... Because if I were to like... Somebody's opinion. If yeah. I were to convince you of something or give you a theoretical argument, I would need to go into the real material world and point at it and go, that's what's going on, Cody, and that's what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, give me, give me some and, solid... And e- yeah, and even with, even within that, yeah. they're just be. And then they also want. They want to because yeah, they want to be. They the <laughs> want needs to be there. It's like you're throwing the horse into the river, but the horse doesn't yeah. want any of that water. It's like it's it's a, the horse is drowning. Horse it's like, like look at this, <laughs> motherfucker! It's going down, and it's like, yeah. nope, <laughs> this is false. And, yeah. and and there's just some issues where we can't do that, but yeah. like, uh, and, and it's like. With, with those Facebook arguments, like, yeah. why are you wasting your time on that? What can you... What, is any, what, what change like, are you implementing? Yes. Yeah. And it's like, it's if, if you have the time for that, find a hobby. Find something. Yeah. Like, find something you like I, to do. Yes. Yeah. When I sit there and I think about, like, God, maybe I should get involved in this conversation, I'm like, why would I? <laughs> yeah. Like, I would much rather open up a personal <laughs> training certification exam book and yeah. actually learn something. I'd rather yeah. use my time playing fucking... Black Desert Online. It's yeah, they're not gonna go. It's they're, actually enjoyable. Yeah. Cody Bierman yeah. really had a good comment. I've completely yeah. shifted yeah. my political <laughs> world. Yeah, yeah. this is it. This is what I was waiting for. In the, the, in the comment. Wow, let yeah. me just mark this down in the journal. Line. Oh man, oh yeah. man, this is it. This is the but day. Timestamp yeah. it. Yeah. Time stamp it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, but that's the thing, and it's not just. I mean. Online social media has made that apparent, but there's yeah. there's a multitude of things in everyday life, like inane conversation <laughs> with like pointless people. You're like, I'm getting nothing out of this. Mm-hmm. I don't need to waste any more time with this bullshit. Yeah, just gotta walk on by. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it, it'd be like if you saw two people yelling at each other on this sh- in the street as you're walking. Red's my like, favorite color. No, motherfucker, blue. blue. <laughs> yeah. Motherfucker, red. <laughs> Are you gonna yeah. go in and go green, motherfuckers? <laughs> no, you're gonna go walk and get that subway sandwich. Sandwich, you just you're gonna go straightforward. Yeah, and I'm yeah. gonna save about forty seconds out of my day for something else. And yeah. to to those who have ears, like let them hear. I like saying that because it's like if I were to speak about an experience and someone were to be like, "Damn, like that made me th- think about this issue completely different." It's gonna have to be like this right here. Yeah, where you can look me in my eye, 
where we can listen to one another. We're in open and, discussions and, actually. And, and when we're we're open to it, and that's I think that sucks. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, I'm out of here. Yeah, like, Scott's a fag. Yeah, well, it's like I was telling, I was telling someone about this case that came through our office, and they just looked at me like, "Wow, that's crazy, man!" Like you don't need to deal with that, and I was like. Somebody does. I, I kind of did. Somebody did. Yeah. Damn, that's crazy, bro. You hear what Kanye did? Yeah. <laughs> Damn, that's crazy. That happen- that's happening in Washington, bro. But yeah, dude, Kim Kardashian, what a yeah. dumb bitch. It's like, well, that's the other thing that that does. It's like we're we ID- you talk about identifying. You brought up like identifying and value systems. A lot of people now, and they have, but now more than ever, I, I will argue, identify with celebrities. And just run to their aid. Yeah. It's like, that's my identity. No, it's because yeah. that's the most accessible, if anything, because like, I think it's, once again, back again to the sense of community. How many communities do people really have, you know? Yeah. Like, you got to find one. I, th- I think people that you know, have people that actually care about them don't really care about yeah. you know, things that are important. But Yeah, like, and there's more, yeah. like you guys are saying, too, there's more of a disconnect. So if they can get that group association by just latching on to... A celebrity and not yeah. having to actually do anything. Yeah, and then they're it's part super of that group. simple. You're like, yeah, oh well. man, yeah, that person's killing it. Yeah, yeah but really, me. what are you gonna yeah. get out of it? Yeah. Not a damn thing, dude. Yeah, I was no, watching yeah, this. Yeah. Uh, it's just like you know any advertisement. You know, like oh man, like I don't know. Like, you're just another name, name some celebrity likes Coke. I like Coke. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like Kylie Jenner likes Pepsi. I love Pepsi. I don't know why this hick is talking about Kylie Jenner. <laughs> Yeah, the normal Kylie Jenner. I love Trump. I love Kylie. You're at the Midwest. Yeah, you got to be in the cornfields. Hell yeah, I like Pepsi and Kylie Jenner. Keeping up with the Kardashians. Boys, off, off. You know, speaking of rednecks, what a unique corn farmer we have. It's a unique. I love Jeff Sessions and I love me some Kardashians. I love Pat Robertson and watching Christian Network. What is he, Fat Albert now? What the yeah. fuck is happening? Hey, hey, what? hey, I'm in the cornfield. I sound like, what's that, Satchmo? Yeah. Oh, my gosh, Satchmo. Yeah. But, uh, but, hey, speaking of rednecks, like, Tim Tim Barry loves watching, like, garbage, like, reality show, T- MTV shows. <laughs> like, Bronte was said, like, The Challenge or something. Fantasy or, Island. or Fantasy Island. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, just loves those trashy shows. Like, I know, sometimes, you know, sometimes you like watching train wrecks, you know, something yeah. like that. Yeah. But it's different if that's just like a little bit of pastime to get your mind off of all the stresses and the stuff of everyday life. But or if that's, that's your identity. Life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. That, that's where we yeah. draw the line, right? That's yeah. where we should. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a it's a manufactured presentation, those shows. Yeah, well, it's, not, a, it's an artificial... Yeah, well, it's right. I caught yeah. Kim Kardashian saying something really bizarre. She was doing an interview... It was her and Kanye, and I think Vogue was doing it. Like, they go into the celebrity home, their homes and ask them all these questions. Some of them are really good. Some of them aren't. And the person that was buying the camera asked Kim, he was like, so how do you keep it in, Keep it real when you have all this stuff going on? And she, I don't know if she meant to say this, but it, but she was like, nothing's ever really real. And then she just like, turned and then, like, picked her kid up. And then there was, I was just like, what the fuck? Was that a Freudian slip? Because, no, she said, like, nothing's ever really real. And on a some level, when I look at someone who's reached that state of celebrity, wow. you just, you're not the same. And I hate to say that, but you are so yeah. saturated with the, the camera. And, like, look, she's smart. Like, she's successful with, like, 
don't even know what the fuck her business is, but she's... Oh, what is her business? Porn tape? <laughs> she's, famous. Like, she's famous for being famous. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Us, that's a skill. I mean, look at us. I'm, I'm how much money we got collectively. <laughs> but you, I heard you accept donations on the on the, the podcast. Yeah, we got... Yeah. Hey, Patreon, support us. But if there was a, if there was a camera Kim. around all the fucking time, Kim. like, it would change some cash you, our you way. Know? Yeah. Everywhere you go, there's a camera. Yeah. No, but it's sure. not. It's not just the camera thing. It's yeah. the notoriety and it's the yeah. attention you get. Yeah. You know because you have to. Once you reach that kind of I, like you're yeah. an idol, essentially. Yeah. Like it's I. I always think of that. You've transcended. No, you literally have. Like if yeah. this yeah. was like 2000 BC, they'd have you know. They'd and for what? Shit. Well, they essentially are. And for what? Yeah. 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 Is she con? She's conquering worlds. And that's with the- her cosmetic. Products and her plastic ass. Yeah, and that's the problem, right? Like, it's it's well, so cliche. Pro- Fortresses successful crumble <laughs> and are surpassed not by militaries but commodities. Mm-hmm. Commodities shape everything. The commodity, whether it's that or it's like a new, it's a new product. It's just a free market that works yet. Yeah, no, <laughs> no but uh, people, that's what the people want. But it's <laughs> something else about her. Now we're talking about fucking Kim Kardashian. But yeah, this everybody... is what the podcast has come to, guys. Support us, Patreon. Patreon. <laughs> have you guys seen like the work she's doing to like uh, free like uh, incarcerated individuals? It's been a quite. I've a heard about it, but I don't really know. So inform me. Yeah. Well, so here's just the. I don't have a whole lot of information on it, other than she's got with a team of lawyers, and they're like getting a lot of people off because they were like wrongfully accused, or the charges were, you know, I want to say just thrown out flippantly. Okay. And so it's it's amazing work, but she's been given the credit, but it is not her who's doing the work. It's like another lawyer. Yeah, granted, like give her a pat on the back. But does that lawyer have a reality TV show? No, (laughs) but like Kim Kardashian frees seventeen people, and you're like, well, it's the lawyer who's doing that. It's an African American female lawyer, and it's like, why aren't you pushing her into the? Because she's not famous. It's wild, dude. Yeah, and it, on top of that too, I totally believe in the fact that you are the sum total or the sum average of the five closest Close people in your people, life. Yeah. yeah, in your life. But then on top of that too, I think your role models really reflect a lot on that, like what you value. And then on top of that too, they they influence what you aspire like how, to be. Too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like um, a couple that come to mind, like obviously Demetrius was up there for me. A mm-hmm. big reason to come out here, not just because he's a great athlete, but I was talking to you about this. Mm-hmm. Scott, like a great person. Oh like, yeah. Somebody, because I knew coming out of here I was going to... did you know? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, terrible, dude. Just, no. Oh, that shit with his kids on Instagram? That's totally fake. Yeah. No. Those are his kids. <laughs> he's he's been the same dude since he, since he, was, an since he was an amateur. Yeah, and yeah, I totally believe that. Yeah, guy. he hasn't. Yeah. But, but like, that's those are stuff, things that you can aspire to be better at. Like, I you know, I'm, I'm comfortable enough with myself and, like, I love myself enough to be like, okay, I suck at these things. Let's surround myself with people that are better at those things, so yeah. I get better at it. Just you know, from seeing it every day. Yeah, and, dude. Um, or that's great and really positive. Or you could just fucking surround yourself with a hate, bunch of YouTube. Yeah, and then just hate it. And, 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 and that's, that's, the <laughs> that's the problem. You need to be. Whoa, that's, that's that's way too hard. You need to be fucking insta famous, bro. Yeah. No, but you get like you get like that. You get like a Demetrius Johnson, a David Goggins, a Tim Kennedy. You get those types of guys and. Next thing you know, you're gonna be, you know, closer to being those people in a sense. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If that's yeah, you what you've know what? That's hard. Yeah, Damn, yeah, you want to run blood. until you piss blood? Dude? I don't know. I, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not sure yet, dude. I don't want to be Goggins. Like I get it. Like 
I'll take a little like pinch of that and apply it to my life. But man, I can't fucking. Yeah, it's wild. He'll, wild. He'll help me run, run, do like 10 laps on the track, but I'm not going to be like, I got to do what Goggins does because I'm a fucking heart attack. <laughs> Let's do the one day on two days notice. Yeah. 255 jackpots. No, yeah. no, but it is, that's a testament to like the power of will. Yeah, you know? the human spirit. The human sure. spirit, yeah. yeah. But again, what does that come back to? Like figuring out your values and all that stuff mm-hmm. and, and actually getting better at those values. Those are choices, mm-hmm. you know, and I feel like everything just comes back to choices and I bet... Goggins would agree a hundred percent. Like making the choices, do all those crazy hard things every yeah. fucking day. You know that just makes you a yeah. tough, tough person. Yeah. But and then the the more willpower you have, the more you can do anything you want. You know? Yeah. Like we we kind of touched on this too. Like earlier today with um, if you're the best in the world at something, you can probably be the best in the world at just about anything. Mm-hmm. Like obviously, I'm not gonna be the best in the world in the NBA. That's just not possible. But uh, I've accepted that fact, you know. Yeah. But I can be the best in the. World. It's taking yeah. that structure of what you've done to achieve that success, and then rewiring it right. for like a different task at hand. Right, like Demetrius sure. wasn't going to be in the NBA, but if he wanted to be the best damn salesman in the world, he'd be a really good one. Oh yeah, if he for wanted sure. To be, whatever he wanted to apply himself to, he's going to be. Yeah, because really he good. had he's had that that experience and yep. choice is interesting to me, and I don't want to like get too deep on it, but it's really like. However, the fucking brain's operating, dude. And that's why you have, we have to be thankful for, like, mental stability. Because when you struggle with, like, mental health or whatever, it's, like, it's just... It distorts all of that. Like, you may be thinking, like... Yes. Yeah, or addiction or whatever trauma that mm-hmm. informs a lot of choices. So, yeah, that's why I think um, it's really... Your path is dependent on... I look at it like a plane, right? Like, okay. if... If the pilot, yeah, we're flying, right? If the pilot (laughs) is well trained, his focus has gotten rest, is is like taken care of, it's gonna fly straight. But if your fucking pilot is drunk, you know, that's the pilot. It's not flight. We're we're gonna fly it upside (laughs) down. We're not Denzel Washington pulling off this miracle after like a bender of pumping oxygen. I'm maybe I'm saying maybe. Snakes. Yeah, I'm saying maybe, but you get what I'm saying. If it's off yeah. kilter, it's just like down, 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 down. So that's why it's important to recognize that, man. Um, I just yeah. think appreciating the mind and its complexities is, is so important. You know, culture too. Like choices depend upon that as well. Like our value system here is. There's different cultures that have different values. Yeah, but there's different cultures everywhere. But I think it's also about figuring out, you know, what culture works for you. Mm-hmm. You know, or figuring out what, what works for you in, like, the, I guess, in the realm of existence that you're in. Mm-hmm. You know? And then, I guess, figuring out, like, where you are in space. Or where you are in, in this world here. Right. You know, because how many people are actually, you know, actively trying to find, like, what, what they want or what they want to do? You know, from there, and how many people just get regulated to this, you know, treadmill of life where it's like very and, secure. And that's what I mean by you know, culture. Circle, yeah, yeah. That's what I mean with culture, though, because culture and like where you live and like the values, like those come upon you, and it does take a lot of resistance and like critical thinking to like yeah. overcome but I think it's, those. It's being able to internalize, yeah. you know, what you value, though. Mm-hmm. Like from there, saying like, okay, that that that's all well and good, but mm-hmm. then like finding out what matters to you, like finding out, finding out your why. And your mm-hmm. purpose, which is a huge question, but yeah, and but it's an ever changing question mm-hmm. too. Yes, and Cause it's, you know, because that could change, mm-hmm. and it's one that like you should try and figure it out at least. That that doesn't mean you're ever going to figure it out, but that's a yeah. question that's going to shape a lot of your choices and decisions yeah. in your life. Like, mm-hmm. if I wanted to be the best martial artist in the world, what steps should I take? What mm-hmm. goals should I set? I have yeah. to 
figure out those things to get to that spot because exactly, that yeah. is a hard place to be, mm-hmm. right? If I want to be uh, a personal trainer and make amazingly good money at it, mm-hmm. okay, I got to be a pretty damn special one. How do I set up? So you need to at least try and explore that thought process and figure yeah. out what it is. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's a shitty part about a lot of kids my age, and I'm sure you guys experience this with you know peers and stuff too, is the fact that like if you tried to have this conversation, the conversation that we're having with That's too hard, bro. Yeah, no way. Or like, uh, I brought this up to a girl I was kind of interested in at one point. I was just like, uh, we're just kind of having small talk. Then I took it a step further and I was just like, uh, have you ever thought about like what your purpose is? And she was just like pulled back and I'm like, what? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, 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 whoa easy like, freak. Looked at me like I was a weirdo and I was just like, haven't you even fucking thought of this? It's like, okay, well, that's a huge turnoff in the way that you don't even care enough to try and figure that out, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's those are important questions to at least try and ask yourself, even if you don't come up with the answer, you know what I mean? But mm-hmm. And also, like, you know, but, like, it's the thing, like, is the answer what's important or is it, like, f- trying to figure it out, you know? Like, actually yeah, through, like through, the, through the problems. Is that, like, the yeah. journey up the mountain or again yeah. to the top that matters? Well, that's yeah. the that's the crux of, like existential philosophy like I bring him up a lot but like uh, Jean-Paul Sartre he's one of the forefathers of like existentialism like it was Nietzsche but like he talks about how it's like well look I could either choose to focus on my family and like taking care of my family or like I could choose to like go to war or like if I feel like or like I feel like I want to be a part of like a class struggle or a worker struggle i would join a union like i make those choices and then in that i'm creating how i want to show up in the world right and i think that is how you show people really like you know you getting involved in something the ivory tower is really protective when you think about it and like shout out to like all the professors that taught me amazing things but the most powerful ones were the ones who are in the field doing their research and like so on and so forth so forth but it's hard to like remove because it's two things, I think. It's your choice, but it's also, like, your material conditions. Like, what is around you? What do you what see? Do you what do you perceive? And because of what's around you, what do you yeah, value? Experience and it's you. it's really sometimes arrogant for us to sit here and say, well, like, you just got to choose. And I, it's hard because whatever is apparent in my immediate circumstances, it's going to be hard to overcome that. Like, I, I work yeah. with students who... 12 years old are in like really horrible home lives and I just try to motivate the shit out of them but then I also realize the environment is super overwhelming and I am just like a, a echo just like a really right now right now I am because it's like it's a fight you know what I mean between like my positive reinforcement for them but then what they're around and what they see in the genetics and the you know but, and, but also there's the want there too you know, it's hard you know, when you're, especially when it's hard when you're trying to help people. Because do do the people you're helping do they actually want to be helped? In the essence, because yeah, we because we, we, we talked about this also like beforehand. It's like yeah. how many people are willing to help themselves at that point? You yeah, know, like how much I, help do people need? Yeah, you can't want it more than them, or it's just not going to happen. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, and that's true too. But I think it's just like we got to give credit to the fact that how like difficult it is at times you know for people to overcome circumstances and there's remarkable cases where people get it right away but, yeah you know a goggins example yeah very extreme but it wasn't it wasn't easy for him no it's you know hard. what i mean took a long time it took a lot of, yeah right and that's because he switched his environment and he was getting the message of like being in the military and like what he was forced to do in those 
those situations, but it's, it's a long road and it's a matter of influence too. It's like, again, nature, nurture. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes there's just things in us, right, that we inherit from our parents and it doesn't like give us a certain sentence to life, but it largely shapes us. You know it, what I mean? Like, you or it sets you for like a right. path. Yeah, I mean, or just the way, like I said, we look at things. Like, It's really important to, to appreciate both sides for sure. But yeah, choice... I think choice is important, but it's like, what is the, who's influencing that? Who's showing you the alternative? Who's showing you the way out or challenging your thinking? Or like, yeah. And we got to, we got to really be thankful for people that we pass along the way who point us in a certain mode that's going to enhance our life. Like the, the wise people we encounter and, you know, I had plenty of teachers that helped me and I hope that with these kids, like I can be that dude where like they're, they look down. They look down the road, and it's like if they're faced with like something's like it's gonna put them in jail or something's gonna put them on the path to success. They remember my words, but I'm not a fool. I'm like, well, fuck. Home is really what's yeah. going on at home and in the neighborhood, and yeah, you know. there's a lot of things that can influence somebody. Yeah, yeah sure. I think most. I think just about anybody that's a good person is mm-hmm. gonna want to affect positive change in the world, mm-hmm. and most of those people affect positive change for a future generation. They don't want it paid back to them they just want to pay it forward right mm-hmm. and I think yeah. that's essentially what all those good people that you've been influenced by would probably want from you too yeah, yeah. for sure Yeah. and same thing like with wrestling coaches that largely impacted my life Brock um, you know my stepdad was a huge influence on me I, I know they don't want anything back they just want me to keep moving keep going too, yeah you know? and that's I think that's the those are the real rare people in the world the ones that you should latch on to right mm-hmm. so. they just want to know you got the message you know what yep, I mean and pass yeah. it along and make it a little better if you can too. Exactly. Man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Are we coming in for a landing? Coming in for a landing? <laughs> <laughs> no, motherfucker. We're going to take this whole shit. This motherfucker's drunk. <laughs> On this motherfucking plane. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. But. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I appreciate the, like, the understanding of, like, motivation and things like that but it's just like i've gotten to a point philosophically where i have to appreciate like what what is our material basis because i think that really really sh- shapes our understanding of the world and it's hard for me to look at like someone making a decision to get quick money when they're like home life is just like deplorable or like their parents working two jobs and it's hard and it's like we would deem what they're doing morally incorrect but it's like it's immediate for them to take care of what they need to take care of based on how they look at things materially you know what i mean and that's just kind of how i i view things but even within that there's a choice Mm -hmm. so that's the fucking life is just that's the back yeah well there's there's a back and forth but then it's like once again it's like what is like what's the purpose of that or you know what because you know we get you can get so caught up in theory where you once again forget like what's what's this actually used for mm-hmm. you know from there and I think at the end of the day you can only influence so much you can only help so many people mm-hmm. so you can't look at the people you don't influence as a collective loss because you've lost nothing right, essentially yeah. from there like if anything if one person gets influenced by you that's a that's a collective win for sure like from there so you you can't like judge yourself by like oh man how many people am I actually influencing because mm-hmm. you know that's it's like the same thing on how I look about how winning isn't important, but the effort of yeah. winning. Effort is effort, really effort is about. effort is key, you know? Because yeah. putting in the effort is is what matters. Mm-hmm. You know, because like I mean results are gonna there's a lot of like you said, there's a lot of things that influence results. But what's gonna matter ultimately is your effort and how you feel about the matter is mm-hmm. what's gonna is 
you know yeah. that that's what's going to end and, up being and one of those things is controllable yeah. and the other isn't your the outcome isn't controllable but what yeah. you do up until that point is exactly and i think it's okay to value uh or assess like if somebody's a good person or not based on things that you know they can control versus things they can't mm-hmm. like to say yeah. somebody's a, a shitty person just because they're black is totally ridiculously horrible and racist yeah. right but if i were to say like uh we we just, we were just talking. Are you gonna bring up the meth head? Not meth head, but like let's say you have a kid that or a guy that's selling crystal meth to a bunch of junior high kids. Like, okay, that was a choice, and that's a terrible choice. You're you're kind of a shitty person for that. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. you know, maybe somewhere along the way you balance things back out. But I think it's okay to assess people based on things, on their right? actions, on their mm-hmm. actions, things that they can control versus things they can't. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where it comes back to like effort versus the outcome. Yeah. You know? And mm-hmm. then if they're, you know, making crystal meth to, you know, because they're dying of cancer, then there's, there's a Walter there's White side. Yeah. What a fucking monster. Yeah. yeah. But it's but like, I, we I also said the other day, yeah. like nothing's in black and white. And that's what, you know, you already know what I'm going to say is that it's, but it's like, I think the the challenge is like not to always like like morally yes you can draw your own conclusions like you know some people are really big on that but and I think it's a good place to start like morals are very important like I mean we have laws for certain reasons not all laws are just but like we want order in the world right and like mm-hmm. when you're a developed human being you you look at injustice but like what I've done over the last like 3 or 4 years is I've looked at somebody who may have committed a wrong and I've had to force myself to be like, why? Because some things you can't explain away. That's, like, you can't go before a judge and be like, oh, man, it's mitigating. Like, this person had a rough upbringing. This person saw this. This person experienced this. And this influenced how they are. But there's still going to be consequences if you sold meth to school children. You know what I mean? But I often am curious to be like, why did the person do what they they did? And that's controversial, man. That's like, oh, fuck, but what do you... How far do you take that, you know? And it's just... But it's interesting to me because it's it's complex, even though on the surface it appears simple. I don't condone that action that you just described, but I, I wonder... I think about that person that did it. I'm like, yeah, why? Why would you go sure. and do that? Like, But that's, again, because, you know, you're put in a position where you're an instrument of the law, you know, and, yeah. that's, and that's what, you know, that, that's what your purpose is, you know, to make sure that... That the law is conducted in in that sense, so that's why you have to look at it that way. Yeah, for sure. Know, from that, because if you don't, then you're not. Then justice isn't actually being served because both sides, or not even both sides, but all sides, need to be looked at. But then I appreciate Cody Cody's point because then there's going to be people who are like, "That's just a deplorable act." Coming from my subjective experience, that's completely deplorable. Like, how could I even like? No, it's done. It's a done deal for that guy. And I think the challenge is is to still have your standards and values. Yes. But to, um, what are you? Who are you? Don't you need to change your laundry? Oh, I mean, he, 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 he needed to change his laundry like a while ago. He needed to change his laundry a while ago, but it, but it, it's, it's okay. Just, anyway, it's okay. I'll just finish with like you get yeah. what I'm trying to say, and I can say it five or six different ways. But it's like, <laughs> damn, she fucked my flow up, bro. <laughs> <laughs> but, she uh, was on something. Bad, bad country. <laughs> we'll never get Don't back. More deplorable actions. Yeah, and, and it, it it just it's it's a challenge because there's people who just are like no like I've heard people in like voir dire during jury selection like this old woman was like I'm a pacifist and the attorney was like oh can you explain that to me I'm a pacifist and she's like up. she's like yeah I will not 
do anything violent. And he's like, so even if someone were, like, charging at you, we're going to take your life. You're going to do anything. And she was like, no. And he was like, okay. <laughs> like, and she got struck. Yeah. <laughs> it's self-defense. Yeah. She got struck. But it's just <laughs> like, you think about that, and it's like, well, I have to consider that position, too. I have to consider your position and be like, okay, that's how someone would look at that event. And then, like, we talked about, there's, like, things that happen in our collective experience where we all look at that, like, Nazi Germany and, like, well, we don't all look at that. There's, like, Nazi supporters. But for the most part, yeah, decent human like, beings how could they do look that? at that and be like, like uh, yeah, decent human beings. Yeah. yeah. yeah and uh, <laughs> that's the thing. It's hard to say, like, an all-inclusive. You, know, mm-hmm. yeah, always, you, you yeah. can only speak in generalizations a lot yeah, of times, exactly. but that's yeah. never how it is. Yeah. No. There's always shades of gray. There's always reasons why. And, yeah. And yeah. that's why it's ridiculous, like, uh, for people to just just side with their opinions and then yeah. not accept any other ones because the the answer almost always lies somewhere in between. It's mm-hmm. almost never radically to one end or the other. And yeah. if you don't explore the other end, you're going to be stuck over here and you won't look at everything in between. Yeah, yeah, because, yeah, well, what, that's the thing. Like, how can you fully understand your side if you've never actually looked at what else is available? You just can't. Like, from there. That's like saying, like, oh, I I found I found this and this this is it. I don't need anything else. Yeah, it's yep. like we stay away Damn. from being like I just stuck with Coronas when I was, you know, 21. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I never checked out Stout's Reporters. I'd be a lesser man, you know? So, uh, yep, uh, this is it. Oh, wait, speaking of, like, Tim Barry just what cheese pizza. This is it. Oh, all I need for the rest of my life. All I need is life. cheese pizza and Coors <laughs> Light. the first time you try that pineapple, you never go back. I don't even like Coors yeah. Light, bro. Yeah. I don't even like Coors Oh, no, 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 no. I got a hit like a ball peen hammer. I was like, "Is this motherfucker? He's from Minnesota, yeah. isn't he?" Yeah, uh, Brock Lesnar. Yeah, yeah, Brock Lesnar. Oh man. Yeah, man. Yeah, no, it. Yeah, it lies somewhere in the middle, like you said, and it's like you have to consider all sides, or you won't develop like an informed opinion. You know, that was always the interesting thing about like witnesses, like looking at the same event and having completely different views. I was well, always just it's like, a power perspective, man. Yeah, I was always like, Whoa. because no, but yeah. that's the thing, because like, because an event or any like any situation, there's no way that you can take that out of context. Yeah, you know, because there's always gonna be context added to it, depending on you know the person that that's involved in it. That's what you know the the fallacy of observation is you know mm-hmm. like the three of us we get all we are all in this room right but we're all we're all observing different things mm-hmm. in context to experiences that we've had yeah and know? that there may be a common thread through that and that's kind of what you look at yeah like, you definitely you know? saw this yeah. all four of you saw this right yeah man exactly power so, of perspective are yeah, we on like yeah. a three hour podcast no 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 it's not it's not it's almost two hours but if you've joined this long why not consider donating to our patreon have we got a donation <laughs> whoa 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 you could be one of many <laughs> donated so that's right oh yeah the cash is flowing yeah, that's right. www.patreon.com slash pancreation. And you can check out Cody yeah. on his Instagram, Coke Zero. Coke Zero. <laughs> With the monster in it. With the monster logo. Also, hashtag I fucking love aspartame. Hashtag I love Donald Brumsfield. Hashtag. Wow. Hashtag. Yeah. Keep an open mind. Yeah. No, hashtag honestly, cash and checks. Let me bring it in. Hashtag yeah. one of the best guests we've yeah. had. Great. Yeah. 
to talk to you, man. So. Yeah, it was good talking to you guys. This yeah. was fun. Yeah, yeah, man. We should do this again sometime. Part two. Yeah. Yeah. We like well, I mean, it's going to be hard to find us. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, yeah, you have to travel a long way to get here, Cody. Yeah, so. throw a Nerf ball at yeah. your door. And- <laughs> 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 what are we going to have Tim Barry on? <laughs> Whatever he fucking fights that lazy bastard. Yeah. Does he have a fight limit? Uh, maybe, possibly. Okay. Yeah, I, I know. Poor soul who fights Tim. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, no, especially, you know, Mr. Fatletic. Yeah. No, 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 no. That's, that's the thing, man. Like, I don't know. Have you seen no, he Avengers Endgame? Oh, no. no don't no, don't spoil it. I'm not going to spoil it then. All right. <laughs> oh, man, but who knew that Superman would come in and die? I just spoiled it. Uh, oh, Did you guys that? know Batman died in Avengers? <laughs> yeah. Well, man, hey, I just told him Superman died in yeah. Avengers. Uh, but, yeah, no, no, for sure, the poor soul that fights, fights especially if they just Good look Lord. at Tim Barry, they'll be like, ha, that can take this guy. Yeah. I just <laughs> yeah. know, I mean this in no way offensive to Tim whatsoever, but, I mean, like, the first time I watched him hit pads, I was like, oh, okay, he, he knows some stuff, and then I watched him do, like, some ninja shit, getting back to his feet, and I watched him hit the bag again, I was like, this, he's athletic as fuck. Yeah, yeah you this see him doing, like, handstand walks. Yeah, yeah. and he just doing those push-ups with, uh, was it, no, Fernando on his back doing clapping push I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> You're like what the hell am I seeing right now? No, when he remember when him and Sean were gonna race? No, no, him and Sean did race in the forty no, yard dash. No, I know they did. What I'm saying yeah. is, before they were gonna race, yeah. Like I was just like, dude, Sean's gonna fucking smoke this guy. No, 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 because yeah, I remember you talking to me about that. I was like, man, you might be surprised. And then Tim came up to me and he's like, you don't think I'm a win, Scott? And I was like, dude, I really don't know Tim. And then I watched the video and I was like, oh shit, he did, did Tim win? Yeah, he oh smoked. man, oh, yeah, he yeah. didn't win. He won. He won by a landslide. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was like no doubt. Yeah, uh, uh, Sean true. was just like, you're not better than me, Tim. You're just fat. <laughs> <laughs> that's when Sean's life went down. I think that's when Sean got his his midlife crisis dang you gotta have that guy on too yeah, yeah it's good stuff oh no it kind of is that's when he got like a motorcycle <laughs> just like got, got a tattoo he just you know all Dude, the- stop oh. hey stop because like if he listens to the podcast he's gonna hit you up rem- remember when i he said he wasn't gonna record the fight for i think it was you. oh yeah 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 and then I gave right. him shit. i'm was- just trying to live my life bro he was like no, but it's okay it's two hours to go to the hobby yeah. squad first yeah. so. he texted me he's like bro Why'd you talk about me like that on the podcast? And I was like, No, we're, we're talking about because we love you, Sean. Yeah, it yeah. Anything. And you should donate to our Patreon. So <laughs> be the first. Yeah. Of many. Well, many. I mean, if you donate, we'll have of today. <laughs> Somebody's got to go first. Yeah. Exactly. Someone's got to go first today because, you know, we just, money's just coming in. Yeah. And if you're From not first, sides. you're last. Yeah. You know, winning <laughs> isn't, the, isn't everything, it's the, the only, only thing. thing. <laughs> All right, guys. Okay. Make good choices. Yeah. Yeah. Any, any parting words? Cody, yeah, no, I'm just uh, that pretty grateful to be out here with some good dudes, and uh, I know I'm gonna get a lot of value from being here and being in the gym, and I just hope I can add some value back mm-hmm. as much as possible. Yeah, sure. well, you already would have, yeah. yeah. yeah, in whatever way I can, I want to, but yeah, but it's, it's already been fucking great, yeah. So, yeah man, well, we're glad to have you, and this would be an unfortunate thing where it's like. This was like a documentary, and I was unfortunate when Cody ended up on the wrong path. <laughs> yeah. I look back at Future High Kids. That guy that said that to Junior High Kids was actually Cody in Minnesota. And that's why he came out here because the cops are looking for him. Hypothetically speaking, you know. He he he's song. like, that guy, whoever did that, is a fucking piece of shit. This scene changed to Cody, like, hey, little boy, you ever had Crystal? 
<laughs> He's like, oh, you think you're a good wrestler? Wait till you hit this crystal. Your double leg will be sick. <laughs> you have no idea what you're in for, kid. <laughs> He's like, this. the guy who's selling this to you is a piece of shit. He has no morals. And he's like, okay, sir, whatever. <laughs> Foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. Uh, all right. Ooh. All right. Thanks, everybody. Goodbye. Bye.